guys, we're fucking live and in living primetime audio. That's right. This is super dumb shit. Today, we discuss live over the internet the most legendary, barbaric, spooky thing to ever exist. And I'm not just talking about the massive, raging penchant that we all have for the doc to have sex with the Sega channel. We'll get there one day in due time. Oh, my God. He'll do it. Oh, he's going to do it. And we're going to do it because this is The Undertaker. This week on Nothing Good. My God! Oh my God! This is it. We made it. We've made it, so, gentlemen. It's officially official. How I've how I've always envisioned how we are when the theme song kicks in. <laughs> we're not. We're definitely not going to talk live about reaction the to it. When, the, when the fucking beat drops. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Just the audio is live, and there's no visual content. Oh, tonight's so a, your neighbors are mortified, though. Tonight's a really special night because we're live tonight uh, with you wonderful people. Uh, we're really excited for you guys to be here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and the dozens and dozens of you. Um, but before we get to what is probably the most exciting subject we've covered for me personally so far, I want to take a moment, a really special moment here, and, and acknowledge something that our host, uh, Mr. Brown, his birthday was yesterday. Oh, and, big day. Uh, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, Thank man. you. And, Thank you. And we, I feel I, I speak on behalf of uh, the three of us that we just appreciate the work you do for the show. Uh, you know, this was, this was, this was your, your original concept and without you, the show would not be a thing and nor would it be as good as it is. Uh, so with that being in mind, I, I, I wanted to raise a toast with a delicious can of delirium considered by many, by experts, the world's greatest beer is my personal favorite beer of all time. It says it right on the can. It's best beer in the world. Yeah. I mean, best beer in the world. That's science. That's science. You know, because there's never been anything fake about elections, right? No, right? Ever, <laughs> ever. I will raise a toast to Noah J. Brown. <clears throat> Cheers. Cheers. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Salud. Mm. Mm. Oh, that is. Oh, that it's is really so good. good. <laughs> it's really good. That is good. So, I, I appreciate the kind words, and we appreciate everyone listening. Right now, to nothing good live as we we venture down this idea. It we're doing a live show because we wanted to, and not because statistically our schedules would not allow us to keep pre-recording episodes and airing them in the time that was conducive to vacations and work schedules. Not at all. No, there's no reason to think that way. It had. Why nothing, would you even bring it up? It had nothing <laughs> to do with anything like that whatsoever. No, no. no. Balancing all of that in, in a playoff hockey series. So here we are. Uh, on this, it's actually, I'm not even lying, a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous day. And here in southwestern Pennsylvania, we haven't had many of those. But we get a couple in a row. And we're here to talk about the dead man. And I wanted to make a theory of a dead man joke. But <laughs> so, yeah. the only thing shittier than a theory of a dead man joke is theory of a dead man. <laughs> so here we are now. So I, I guess we should just want to fire it up, guys? Yes, do let's, it. Yeah. Let's talk about our first memories of The Undertaker. No. 
I did mention to Noah and Jeff, and I'm gonna mention. I'm gonna say it now. Now that you're here, Mac. So we usually try to get all of our questions together ahead of time, so we kind of know what we're gonna gonna talk about, kind of have a structure. But there was one question I left off the table that I wanted to pose to you guys to think about for the remainder of the show. And for the listeners, uh, please do the same. Undertaker uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Yes. It's an incredibly big deal. Uh, whether you liked him or you didn't like him, it was a really big deal on a lot of different levels. My question for you guys to think about and to answer at the end is, in your opinion, for you as a wrestling fan, lapsed or otherwise, what do you think will be or has been, or ideally across the scope of professional wrestling, the most important Hall of Fame induction ever? Interesting. Within considering our lifetimes and what we've been watching, right? I mean, you can't like, oh, Austin Theory. No, no, uh, <laughs> no probably not. Probably not. Why? <laughs> considering what we've, we've watched, we've watched a lot of wrestling yeah. between the four of us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've watched a lot of Hall of Famers have careers. Mm-hmm. So just... Don't answer. Let it percolate. Let it marinate. Think about what who you think is the most will be the most important impact, whether it's happened or not. Yet, doesn't matter. Just what your opinion is. I got really excited when you asked that question because I got an answer and then I got a better one. Well, good. So, well, and I really want to share it. Gonna I'm, gonna not share it I'm not going <laughs> to. Later. I'm not going to. You know what? It's going to change between. It may change. I don't. Th- I don't think it will. I already have my. Answer. I don't think it will. And I, I, I have a funny fucking feeling that we're thinking of the same thing. Potentially, I just have a feeling because I know you. Mm. We're gonna, and you, you know, you know, I know me? you. Ah, so good, so yeah. good. That's the first of what many wrestling theme references. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure oh yeah, we'll get uh, throughout the show. But speaking of of holding it and waiting, so the cool thing about today's show that we are gonna do, I promise, is we're gonna go through our spiel. You know what? I'm gonna go inside baseball. I'm gonna go inside wrestling, and I'm gonna let everyone know the run sheet for today and what's gonna go on uh, when the next run in is gonna happen. So. We do have a list of questions that we as hosts have prepared to talk about and debate and, and basically just jerk off over for an unknown period of time. And then after that list, we're going to then open it up to you, the sweet, sweet, juicy listeners. Some may be from Peru, though Peru did abandon us. And I, and I, I almost a year ago, probably not here. I am going, <laughs> probably not here. Yeah. I'm going to file for custody of that love child. <laughs> So it could be France. I'm secretly flying a kite in Peru's front yard at three o'clock in the morning, just looking up the window, hoping they're looking back somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Are they yeah. looking at the same moon? Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's how I feel when I'm on Pornhub. It's just generally, are they looking at the same video as I am? You know, that's just a general <laughs> question I have for a lot of people I know in my life. But anyway, we're going to open it up to you, the callers, the listeners, uh, later in the show for you to share your favorite Undertaker uh, oriented things, or just generally, depending on how many or few of you there are, whatever the hell you want to talk about. Yes. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Uh, but let's get it started here. First, so what's your first memory, Mac? Your very first memory of The Undertaker. So, and this is the God's honest truth. The Undertaker made me stop watching wrestling. Go on. Scared the absolute shit out of me. Ah, he did. Truth, absolute truth. <laughs> so, as a you know, wrestling has its cycles, and I really kind of got introduced, like we all did, in the eighties with uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper. The list goes on. Yeah. 
And that was a very definitive era of wrestling. You know, whether or not those wrestlers went on to do other things, a lot of them went on to do great things. Some of them went on to do nothing. But to me, the under the introduction of The Undertaker meant a shift in the era that the the, you know, the quick rise of WWF was over. Yeah. That that door closed because this guy came out and I was terrified of him. It made me like, I, I can't watch this because I'm just too scared of what the fucking Undertaker was going to do <laughs> or not do. He just sh- like, like he is, he's mystical. He's magical. You know, he has a casket. What the fuck is Paul Bearer? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly couldn't wrap my head around it. And I legitimately gave up on wrestling for a number of years because I just was not ready for that character. Nice. It explains a lot about you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good point, and I think it's something that might come up. It, it kind of draws into attention that yeah, Undertaker Survivor Series 1990, right, yep. for his debut in the WWF. But the character, I don't really think of him as a Hogan era character. No, I think he kind of transcends was every there, era. It, it, it evolved quickly. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he obviously as he found re- himself. He yeah. wrestled Hogan, and but he's wrestled every major character uh, player. In wrestling, so when you think about like what that's a question for later, what era do you yeah. associate him with? But Jafar, what's your first uh what's your first memory of the day? Yeah, so I don't clearly recall his debut. Uh, but the first thing that stuck out from memory was his first feud with the warrior. Ah, uh, yes. And uh because as Dave mentioned, he had all these supernatural powers, which was a big part of the gimmick at the time. So Warrior enlisted the help of Jake the Snake Roberts. Trust me. <laughs> to go through <laughs> go through all these uh, tests, if you will, uh, supernatural tests, you know, locking him in a casket, putting him in a pit with snakes, uh, letting a snake bite him, all kinds of crazy shit, uh, all leading up to, you know, a double cross. Uh, and Taker was in on the, old, the whole time. But so that first big match that stood out to me that I recall was when they when Warrior fought Undertaker at Madison Square Garden. Uh, in 91 in the first body bag match and you you knew taker wasn't over yet uh so warrior was going to win no matter what but at the end of the match when taker sat up in the body bag like that was it yeah yeah yeah. so i was completely sold on that but that was that's the one moment that sticks out early in his career in terms of my first memory yeah i'm gonna go and i agree with you here jeff is i don't necessarily have a I don't remember the first time I saw the Dead Man mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I was like eight years old when he debuted in the WWF. It was a long time ago, but I do remember the feeling he gave me. I wasn't one of those kids in the audience that like cry because the kids were terrified of him. <laughs> For sure, you know? I fucking cried. Dave was I, well, I was no shade at you. <laughs> He's still I'm, crying. I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was more uh, for me. It was the music. It was the emotionless. His, he was so intimidating. I mean, he was so quick, and he didn't stop, no matter how many times you hit him, mm-hmm. and punched him in the head, hit him, kicked him, body, whatever, body slam. He just sat right back up. Yeah, it's like he was he like was, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, he didn't feel pain. It was Mike Myers. Yeah, that was, and this is a, a conversation for later. But like, it just was such great casting. And, you know, 
Mark Calloway being committed to that character and not, you know, going, you know, full speed ahead was so important because if he half-assed it, it would oh, not, no. not no. have worked at all. Yeah, I think 95% of wrestlers, if you were to pitch that gimmick to them, they would be absolutely not. I'm not going to do They have no it. idea what to do. Yeah. And he just he put man, all his chips on the table. He was and hungry. All in. Yeah. And he wanted and, he, and Vince sold him on it, obviously. He's like, yeah, you're going to be, like, invincible. You're going to be uh, a corpse. And he did such a good job. Yeah, you can. He was pale, but he rolled his eyes in the back of his head. You know, Paul Bear, God, man, Percy Pringle, God love that man. Rest in peace. Like he did such a good. The whole, the whole ensemble was perfect. The whole, the whole presentation it was perfect. The it was the, the eyes, right? Yeah. Like you, you focus in on the eyes. Almost, I, I swear to God, for the first seven years, the Undertaker didn't blink. <laughs> no, he did not. Not <laughs> no. on TV. No. <laughs> right. Um, the makeup, just enough. Just enough to just enough yeah. to bring it out. Obviously, Paul Bear, all makeup, yeah, raw makeup. But like as as a child of the eighties, you know, rocking my Thundercats, my Ninja Turtles, Transformers. Yep. When you see that guy, you're not ready for that. No, you're not. And and I I I, I could not handle it for a number of years. Um, he sold it right here, just yep. right in that that that. You know, two inch by four inch, you know, right in the eyes. Yeah, because typically that's where you sell most of your emotion. Yeah. And when you have none, it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, right. Right. for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'll, always makes me think of that early uh, that early clip of him is uh, the head snap with the mm -hmm. open eyes, right? Because mm -hmm. that's just that's just crazy. But for me personally, I, I do remember the debut uh, at Survivor Series 90 because I was watching every Saturday morning avidly. And the one thing that they were hyping was not who Mil Ted DiBiase's mystery man on his team was, but who was in that fucking egg uh, that was throughout the <laughs> <Survivor Series. laughs> It was a giant <laughs> egg. And oh I, being God. five ripe years old, was like, who's in the fucking egg, right? <laughs> like, I want to know who's in the egg, who's in the egg. So I remember a lot of that. I remember even at five being disappointed that it was literally a turkey in that egg. Gobbledy I Gooker, um, fucking <laughs> forgot about that. And I never Gooker. forgot about you, Hector nope. Guerrero. No, yeah. no. Hector Guerrero still makes appearances as a gobbledygooker. Listen, by the way. what a terrible gimmick! Oh my god! Did I works. forget it, or did I might like conscious like fucking <laughs> bury that shit deep? <laughs> I hope you did. No, yeah. it, it would be a bigger moment had that not been the debut of the Undertaker. Right, right. But and it was incredible. And but think about the talent in the match because it's, it was awesome, it was super awesome, and he was super scary. And they shot it upward like every time when he walked out to make him look twenty five feet oh, tall, yeah. and everything. Yeah. positioned it to make him look overly menacing. Yes, and and they know, but think about the talent in that match too. Yeah, Ted DiBiase on the heel oh, side, yeah. Ted DiBiase the honky tonk man on the on the baby face side. Wait, you just said talent. Ah, oh, what the honky tonk man? Honky -tonk well, first of all, he is the greatest. No, he's not. Oh my <laughs> the god, greatest. oh my god, here we go. Know, tell, we go. We'll, we'll get there. But I mean, I mean, the ratings speak for themselves. The Saturday Night's main event. We'll talk. We'll argue about the honky tonk man, Wayne Ferris, in another day. <laughs> Please, yes, but. Another name, Brett the Hitman Hart was also in that match, which is real easy to forget, right? Yeah. That yeah. Brett Hart's in that match. Dusty Rose Dusty is in that Rose. match. Like, so they immediately put him with main event talent. He didn't come in as like the uh, the, the the heater on a job squad team. Yeah. He's in there with guys that either were or uh, would be main eventing WrestleManias. And if you take a second to think about that matchup, what stands out? What isn't like everybody else? Yeah, he was he, uh, look. It don't get any more opposite between Undertaker and Dusty Rhodes. No, it does not get no. polar, more polar opposite. And it was such again good booking, you know, because you remembered that. Yes, him just like you know stalking people around the ring. 
I love the like the punch and he just turns back and just keeps coming at you. Oh, yeah, dude. Didn't sell anything. And to this day, I think Coco Beware is still pissed about the tombstone <laughs> that ended that match. <laughs> it is the most devastating tombstone in history. I mean, and they still say he's still falling at that point. But it was that was brutal. That was brutal. But I mean, that was memorable. I mean, I, to this day, with Ron, a quick thing of all the most absurd wrestling is absurd to begin with. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's completely absurd yeah. to begin with. And then you add in the gimmicks of wrestling, which are super absurd. But of all these super absurd gimmicks, and this is pretty fucking absurd, a dead guy with magic powers who feels no pain and has some weird, oh, Alabama guy following him around everywhere. Brother loved that time. Right. But has anybody in the history ever been given something so fucking absurd and nailed it so oh. goddamn hard? Yeah, talk about making something enormous out of something so minuscule because who would have ever thought that that would have stuck 30 years it, it, yeah it was you know part of the work ethic of mark calloway right mm-hmm. and he's like if i'm gonna own it i'm gonna own it and from year one to year 30 he continued to own it all the way through so all and now speaking of that uh he's been around for so long but he had to evolve yes multiple times actually yeah, yeah. Change. Uh, but it's so cool that he did and not only did he evolved multiple times he did it so well and we were with it the whole time mm-hmm. again whether you were a fan of his or not you had to respect him well, yes I, I you know when you mention that and you you talk about the evolution and the the you know the changes of the character the changes that he got for himself the changes that he went with for the company and everything it all works because of just how good mark calloway as a wrestler yeah. is mm-hmm. you know and uh, if you don't have somebody who, when you strip away the gimmick, when you strip away all gimmicks, they're still wrestlers, yeah. you know? Um, if he wasn't a great fucking wrestler, it never would have worked anyway. Doesn't yeah. matter what kind of gimmick. I mean, we see that with certain guys today. You know, they if they don't have it, they're not going to make it. It doesn't go beyond the it. The counter to that is The Miz. I don't know how well the Miz has ever had it, <laughs> but he's so fucking good as a talker and he's so good at selling his character that yes. he just he will be in the Hall of Fame. Whether you like it or not, dear listeners, <laughs> Mike the Miz Mizanin is destined for the WWE Hall of Fame one day. Oh, for sure. I mean you can't you can't deny that body of work. But you mentioned incarnations. Yeah, yeah. So, so. like what's your favorite, right? I'm I'm just go right off the bat. Uh big evil. Is, uh, God damn it. I 100,000% agree with he, that. Like, the look, most comfortable he's ever been. And yeah. most yeah. importantly, yeah. I, look, I've been watching wrestling at that point for so long that, like, you get jaded. You kind of see through things. The curtain had been pulled back by the McMahon family, you know, years prior. Yeah. There are no secrets, really, anymore as a no. wrestling fan. The internet ruined a lot of things. Still does. Um, but, it's, so it's hard for me still even to this day as a fan uh to really get into a heel persona it's easier for me to get into a baby face than it is a heel but man i fucking hated it <laughs> he and but in a not like a go away i, I don't want to see you on tv but like i fucking hated how he was just a piece of shit he was a bully he was and he beat everybody up and it was so believable because he look at him yeah those big old soup bones you know, although we're going to ignore Michael Cole trying to get over the best pure striker in the WWE. What, which which uh, I'm going to say about I eight times. That, uh, he that really was going away. And some of the matches we're going to talk about, like that, that he said it like eight times a match. And it's like, oh, come they on. They tried so hard to get that over. It never worked. No, no, because you're trying to legitimize them against other people that are that are 
have more actual wrestling credentials. But still, I mean, what is a pure striker, right? Because there's like, 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 like I don't so, know what that means. Like, that. you have hands and they can move towards someone's face. <laughs> but like, that's him, purely striking. Him turning heel on Jim Ross yeah. was the thing, yeah. right? Jim Ross is the holy grail. You don't turn heel on Jim Ross unless you really want to get the heat. And it was all about respect, and it made sense. Because yeah. it was, uh, I think it was like about the, the Kiss My Ass Club, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you think you're too good for it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and sure. he, like, just turned on Jim Ross, and it was like, this is The Undertaker. Yeah. This is who he's want- he wanted to be all this time. All the time. And I'm, I'm going to back that up by saying, because the American Badass is closest, or the quote-unquote, all of the biker Undertaker gimmicks have been closer to the real Mark Calloway than a, a dead guy from Death Valley, right? Yeah. So he always felt more. But he wasn't from Death Valley. Oh, no, I've, I think I've, he's from Houston. He's yeah, somewhere he's in Texas. Texas. Yeah, no, in the Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. deep Texas, kidding. right? But uh, how deep? Deep. Really deep. <laughs> oh man, so deep, so deep, so deep. Like three knuckles deep. Uh, but his his. His American badass, the first one that came back with Limp Biscuit and the Rollin', uh, always came off to me as kind of like, and I mean, no disrespect to the, I don't know how many people are listening, eight people listening right now that might know someone who's a, a homeless Vietnam vet, oh. but it came off like a homeless Vietnam vet, right? Like that, it like was it, the hair. It was, it's the hair and the long trench coat. Like yeah. He thinks he's more badass than he is. And he's just, basically, that's the Undertaker to me that would bang rats from a strip club. <laughs> so, right. So Nick Nolte from Tropic Thunder. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Being rats from a strip club, go decimate a Waffle House, get two and a half hours of sleep and then, and then bring it back up, you know, then wash, rinse, repeat. But then when he turned big evil, he cut the hair, mm-hmm. he got like real serious and that was a strike. And it didn't last very long, but it was easily the most comfortable he's ever been because he didn't do anything other than show up as himself and fucking work. Now, and I'm going to, we pass this along to, to Jeff here, but I want to just top off this big evil talk with, and I have no shame at admitting this. Undertaker, I don't think Undertaker is a particularly great professional wrestler. Uh, the character for the first several years is what carried him. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but being big evil, being a bully, being seasoned at this stage in his career, he's still pretty young at this point, mm-hmm. you know, being still injury prone, but fairly injury free. He had his absolute best matches I think he's ever had as Big Evil. Because he, yeah. he, it wasn't about no selling. It wasn't about sitting up. It wasn't about all that. It was about just brawling, Working. getting in there, and being creative and being a heel, being a being a bruiser heel. That it allowed him to work with people in a way that he couldn't do as the dead man. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I also think, too, just to kind of you know, tag along on your point there, too, Jones, that the quality of wrestler that he had at that time during that gimmick, I think also elevated mm-hmm. his game because, you know, it, you're, you're, you're beyond that point in time of just the main four five, six guys that were carrying from the mid to late nineties, because you started having some of these smaller guys that he could work with that could really work. You heard angles and Rod Van Dam and, you know, Chris Jericho and, and, you know, the list goes on and on yeah. besides just potentially Kane and, you know, an incarnation of Mick Foley, Austin, you know, because also Rock's main event, Triple H. So you had just, I think, a, a perfect storm, too, of competitors that he got to work with. Um, and when you hear any kind of like post-career interviews or things that he did near the end where he was talking about like the guys he loved to work with, it was always those smaller guys. Yeah, for sure. So Jafar. Your favorite incarnation of the dead man. I'm right there with you guys with big evil. I think that incarnation of the character is when he really 
hit his stride in terms of his comfort level with who he was, his comfort level on the mic, uh, just him being a bully, like you mentioned. Um, he, he's, you know, there were so many years where all he would say is rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Once he started talking, that's all he it said so for a good. long time. Yeah. Uh, but, but once he got to that persona of the character, it's, you start to see sort of the evolu- evolution of, of where he was taking it. And it really solidified it, not just as a heel, but to see that character arc from where he started just to that point and then where it goes after that. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you guys. Max? You know, for me, it is just kind of after that, when he's the phenom, you know, when you when you've kind of, the hybrid of the characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, I completely agree with you guys. He absolutely did his best work in that stage when he was himself. And, you know, for, for a very long time, Mark Calloway struggled with the undertaker because it was very opposite of, of who he is and who he wants to be. So once we kind of get past that, I like that we start to see the, the merging of, what kind of carried him there and who he is. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, not necessarily saying he did his best work at that time or anything. I just liked that the, the, that we had all the areas of Mark Calloway where they're represented. We're all, where they're represented. And I just liked how that character kind of, I liked the look. I liked, you know, obviously going back with the hat and trench coat and everything. So um, I just liked that version of the character. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because uh, easily, Easily, and I uh, some really cool Undertaker moments. I I, I can't say that I've like uh, a, a top five favorite Undertaker matches. There's like my favorite match he's ever had, but my favorite moment uh, is like it's like kind of like a little bit of that storyline, right? So this man debuts as as, as a corpse or yeah. whatever he was, yeah. resurrected, reanimated, whatever, right? And he, and he was on Frankenstein. That, yeah, he was on that shit for years. Yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. He makes his way into like a weird satanic. Lovecraftian worshipper of the old ones and all that. Yeah, uh, comes back as the uh, Vietnam vet. Yeah, homeless Vietnam vet. <laughs> Shaves his head and becomes an absolute fucking badass, right? But he feuds with Vince McMahon, the owner of the company. Buried alive match. His fucking brother Kane, which is a whole other conversation, but his brother Kane, <laughs> yeah. right, sneaks attacks him and and buries him, buries him alive, and for months. Undertaker's just gone. And then eventually, he fucking comes back as the dead man. And at WrestleMania 20, he comes back wearing the exact same thing King buried him in. Listen, professional wrestling is scripted fucking television. I understand this. It's all storyline. But I, the goosebumps I got when he came back at WrestleMania 20 was such a moment. The match itself wasn't even that good. But it was like the deluded King, like... Like no, you're not coming back. You're not real. You're not. Ca- no. And he fuck. Paul Bearer comes back. The Druids come oh, back. Yeah. And when you heard yeah. the bell. Yeah. And that leads to like my favorite moment. But ultimately, WrestleMania 20, and it's still over. Yeah. It is such a fantastic yeah. character. Like that. Like it, it. Like sci-fi fan, fan fantasy ain't real. There's nothing real about the Undertaker. But people still mark for it. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback on that because my favorite moment is very similar to that. Nearly identical. It just happened 
10 years earlier when Yokozuna mm. oh, killed the Undertaker. Killed Crushed his <laughs> you face. See, you see a flash of him up on the screen, and they're like, oh my god, the Undertaker's dead. And then he's just gone. And he's gone for he like ascended, though. He ascended yeah. up, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's gone for like eight months because he's out on injury. And they, they, they kept running the gimmick the whole time. They're like, people keep saying they see the Undertaker out back or in the rafters or whatever. And then eight months later, he comes right back at it. It's the return of the dead man. Yeah. Wasn't it's Leslie Nielsen looking for him? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I remember uh, if, I, if I may hop in here. So that happened at Royal Rumble 94 where Yokozuna had every heel on the show uh, yeah. lock the Undertaker away yeah. in, a casket, in the casket. And then he ascended to the heaven in like the glowing green light. Yeah. And he said, I'll be back. And then he goes. Yeah, and then that. in June of 94, the King of the Ring, the subtext throughout the whole show and the, the, the road up to it. Uh, was Leslie Nielsen and the other dude from Naked Gun were looking for The Undertaker, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> which is the amazing. most 1994 thing <laughs> Wait, you could It wasn't say. OJ, was it? No. All right, all right, just make well, no, That was way past. Here's yeah, what's even WWE is not brash enough to pull that one off. <laughs> Had they run that angle one year earlier, OJ would not have been in the, the OJ situation. He would have. I bet you OJ would have been involved in that. But isn't that fun to think about? No, but I also got to, I got to, just before we, we keep moving on, I got to also say it, it's the idea of that blend that he was able to do from that 20 in, because everyone knows it's a fucking work. It's wrestling, right? And we don't know, we want to be, we want to suspend our disbelief. One of the coolest things I could ever explain to anybody is when we get to see The Undertaker come out live, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because the, the dry ice makes it look like he floats down the aisle way. And that is so badass. Like, it's such a touch that is lost to the person at home watching on screen. Cause, but you get to see all the purple and blue lights. But and, and you're like, oh, shit, that is badass. And when that dong goes off, everyone in the arena oh, yeah. gets on their feet and goes yeah. crazy. It's the first time you hear that bell, yeah. whether you're a kid or an adult, like, you feel it. To your core, right inside, because you know some shit's going to happen. Agreed. But uh, but it's the idea that he has been able to blend parts of that gimmick with other parts of himself and stuff too. Like as as that post WrestleMania twenty would go, when he would work, this is at the rise of MMA at the time too. So he would go to the fingerless gloves, mm-hmm. yep. right, with the padding on it, like an MMA fighter. He used a variation of the triangle choke, which was an accident, but it stuck. And Shawn Michaels tapped out to it. It's like, oh, shit, I guess I'm not using a triangle choke anymore. I'm doing the Hell's Gate finish. Yep. So he would work that shit in there. And I think it gets a lot of unnecessary flack because it was during the pandemic. But the last ride match with AJ Styles that they had at WrestleMania, his last match, I like that match for two reasons. One, because it was cinematic and it was different. Oh, and, production-wise. Yeah, production, and, and the character... Stellar. Absolutely, the, like, like, like he's it's one care gimmick in wrestling that you maybe one or two. The other one was Bray Wyatt, right? That you could probably pull something like that off, and it's not totally off wall. But I love how casually the the badass, big evil he was to AJ that whole match. It's mm-hmm. like you wanted this. Where are you going? Where it's, like, it's like beating a guy's ass in a parking lot. It's like, I'm like, oh, I love this. I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned that. And I, I kind of figured we would talk about it at some point in time. But I had that, that match has a very special place in my heart. Just because of what you said, Jeff. It, it is so cinematic. And for the character of The Undertaker, for the character, regardless of what you think of the wrestler or anything else, the character of The Undertaker will always be the thing that lasts. Yeah. You have to send it out. Yeah, with a big it. production, yeah. it has to, and and AJ Styles obviously is so 
fucking good. He is. And you you it, you can work that match. And you know, there are parts of that match when I remember watching it, I'm like, this is even ridiculous for me. But <laughs> right? like it was just still so much fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, and yeah. I and I think that that's great. You know, also too at that point, we, we had witnessed the previous couple of matches with Taker. You had the one with Roman Reigns where we all kind of thought maybe you're saying one match yeah, too long. You may, you yeah. maybe yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you get to the John Cena match the next year where we think we all wanted at least 20 minutes of that. And we didn't get it. No, it was right? just a squash match. Right. So, you know, I, I think in terms of everything you're going to get for the proper send off of that character, that was absolutely perfect. Like absolute perfection. Yeah. yeah 1000%. And anyone that wasn't going to get hurt by it was AJ at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I liked I liked it, but I know the face that our, our dear sweet listeners couldn't see of, of Doc. That face, like this motherfucker right here, gonna, gonna talk about how much you like the last ride match. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not trying to alienate anybody. Uh, I I'm not down with that. You know, I'm just I I wasn't down with the Hardys doing that weird hybrid movie wrestling match. The final business. deletion. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fucking strange. Uh, and it just I. I, I watched that match, the, the last ride match, and uh, I, I felt the exact opposite, and I thought that was a terrible send-off. Well, I mean... That's just me, though. Yeah, I mean, but here's the same thing, too. Fitz Man and the Saudis have a lot of money, so if we think that's the last time he's going to ever choke slam somebody, we're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? But speaking of, uh, of favorite things, favorite moments, right? So if you had to pinpoint, you mentioned the, the, the Undertaker and Yokozuna. Yeah casket match right in the ascending to the heaven but is there anything else is there any one specific if we could pinpoint not a match but a moment of the dead man that comes comes to your mind what's would your answer be wrestlemania 20 there doc Nah, no uh originally uh when i really was sitting there thinking about this uh a week or so ago i actually thought uh it was the undertaker versus the undertaker um, oh my god right uh, brian lee <laughs> look, and this but I, I i changed my mind but just you know, full disclosure, uh, it's, a, it's a stupid ass idea. Uh, however, it spoke to how unique a character is that the Undertaker was. That they even had the the, the nerve to try to pull that off, pull and that they off. pulled it off they, for a minute. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was like you know, look, they didn't have anybody pull, but little kids though yeah. were buying this shit. And that yeah. was the point. That was the target audience. If you had kids. done it anywhere else but the Garden, I think it might have worked out better for you. Because Garden was going to eat that shit alive, right. no matter what you did, right? Right. And but I mean, in terms of like, it's not you can't have Hulk Hogan versus the Hulk Hogan. They ain't going to work that way. Yeah. But the Dead Man, it made sense. You could you could try to pull that off. Yeah. You know, because the character was just again fantastic enough to to try something like that. But but my favorite moment, or at least I, I would say not favorite moment, like most important moment. Uh, is actually the Hell in a Cell in 98. Uh, and not because the match was amazing, because uh, it wasn't. Uh, not because the match had tremendous psychology. It didn't. Um, be because it set a standard that no one will ever, ever surpass. And for good reason, too. Because you yeah, might kill yeah. somebody. Yeah. But yeah. like that match, people always think about like the toss off the cell, which was a really big moment, but so much other stuff going on in oh, that match. Oh, dude. The fucking finish with the thumbtack. Choke slam through the so fucking brutal. cell. Right? Like, there's so much. 
the idea that outside of dropping an Acme anvil on Mick Foley, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you couldn't really do much. <laughs> no, else. that was next. That, yeah, might, that yeah. literally was next. Um, I think, that, but that's probably the most important match for I think wrestling in general, because again, it like it it set a bar. Like uh, the 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 Hell in a Cell from the previous year. Yeah. Uh, was excellent. Which we'll talk about. Yeah. Well, it was a really good match. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, for diff- totally different reasons. Yeah. But that's like a little bit of like a standard. And then Mick Foley said, hold my fucking beer. Yeah. Yeah. And we will never, and they will try, and they have tried, but they will never top that. For good reason. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that Jones is just reading my notes because right oh, here I wrote, I? most important our most impactful, important moment, Taker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell. I mean, I only had it written down here too, man. Right? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I know, that, that fucking match, whenever you think of quintessential Undertaker matches, and we're going to get into our favorite matches here in a little bit, but that was so iconic. Like, not necessarily the quality of the match, what happened in the match, just the way it, it went from start to finish, and mm-hmm. how just over-the-top brutal it was and how Mick Foley saying, I'm going to take this bump. I'm not going to like it. This end well, but I'm taking it and we're doing it for the fans. And maybe it's because we're Yinzers and it happened here in our hometown. It yep. did happen. Here. But, uh, I fucking love that match. It's so good. It adds just to another one of the many regrets people have of doing something with their body in Pittsburgh. Can I say my favorite moment of that match? It's not my favorite Undertaker moment, but my favorite moment of that match is not the best moment or the most impactful. Obviously, him going off or through or the fucking finish with the thumbtacks. But my favorite thing is uh, when uh, Mick Foley needed time. So they had everyone run in to help and Terry Funk was there and he's like, like, Mick, what, what can I do? Help you. And he's like, buy me time. And so Terry comes over and they call the audible with the Undertaker for Terry Funk to get choke slammed, but he fucking choke slams it so much that his little white New Balance is <laughs> fly off and goes down. And to this day, I will watch that match just to watch the New Balances kick off or his Kmart equivalent of them, uh, and watch Terry Funk take a random choke slam up in the middle of that match. It is, <laughs> it is, it is definitely important. Mac, what's your what's your favorite Undertaker moment? So uh, it's when he crucified Stephanie McMahon up oh, on so the. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm kidding. It's actually Mankind versus Undertaker. <laughs> um, I did want to throw the crucifixion I mean, up on there. That was Vince's idea. And of course it, it was. Yeah, it was all a ruse. Um, so uh, again, I'm I'm right there with you guys because uh, that. So first off, right in that match, everything we've talked about the Undertaker has to play in for this match to happen. Mm -hmm. That he's the unstoppable force, he's the immovable object, he just keeps coming at you, right? If you were ever to believe that a wrestler would really try to kill a man, it's the Undertaker yeah, who would try to kill really do it. A little, bit, a little bit checks out. We actually saw when Randy Orton and John Cena when, when Randy Orton tried to up. try to blow up John yeah. Cena. We were there. Yeah. Right? That's the closest we've ever come to it's number true. two. Also, again, in Pittsburgh. Something yeah. about Pittsburgh makes wrestlers just want to kill each other when mm-hmm. they're here. Apparently. Feel it. We live um, here, we know. Right. Number two, we saw, I believe, the limit of what a human could take. That moment that Taker sent Mick flying off that cage. Mm-hmm. I think if you have that cage three feet higher, Mick Foley's probably paralyzed for the rest of his life. Or, you know, some shit's never... I mean, Steph Durham didn't work around it again. But, like, I really believe that is the the maximum of what you could put somebody through and they mm-hmm. still be able to kind of walk, yeah. right? Um, 
But here's the thing about that match that got to me is it's not the not the choke slam on the tax as brutal as it is, not the choke slam through the through the hell in a cell, not even throwing Mick off. It's Taker standing there. Yes, mm. Mick yes. is you know you know Jr. painting the, the greatest picture for all intents and purposes. Good he's God, dead. oh my! Yeah, yeah, oh my God, he killed him. He killed him. Yeah. He killed him. Right, he's broken. So, and you're sitting there, like. He, 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 he fucking killed him. Like, did he really throw him off? Absolutely. But, like, Taker stands there. He doesn't move. He's just watching. And, like, that, to me, is the quintessence. They fucking rose the cage with him standing on it. Yeah. Like, and he is a stretcher out And there. he's just standing what, emotionless. It's menacing as hell. It's yeah. menacing as hell. Yeah. And, to me, that's what sold the entire match, was just his presence watching what he did and really showing no remorse for it. I'm going to okay. give you a little lot of some context to that. I mean, you and I probably have this conversation. Yeah, I think before. we have. I know where you're uh, going with this. Mick Foley's first book is spectacular. If you've never read it's it, incredible. please read it. You got it for me. Uh, that sounds about right. Yep. I feel like that's something I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mick Foley, having gone through the Hell in a Cell, a poor man uh, had no <laughs> recollection of the events of that match. No. I think <laughs> after he was thrown off, if I recall correctly. Uh, and he just was on autopilot mm-hmm. the rest of the match, which considering he got throw, thrown off at the beginning of the match <laughs> and he was on autopilot the rest of the time is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So according to the book, he, you know, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here. I'm trying to remember all the little details, but he talks about how he didn't remember any really anything about the match. So he watched the match back and he's like, you know, taking it on like, oh, you know, and he watches, he get thrown off. He's looking at the undertaker kind of like you said, and he went to the undertaker. I don't know if it was that day or a day or two later. And he's like, hey, man, like when you threw me off, what did you think? And, and Mick Foley is such a good writer. He goes, and it like what his next words chilled me to the bone. Stone face said to Mick Foley, I thought you were dead. Yep. When that when you're looking at him, looking down at mm-hmm. Mick Foley, this man is thinking, I just killed him. Yeah. That's that's right. shit. That's hardcore. Yeah. And <laughs> you're showing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I just you killed know man. how like no hard concern. that would have to no be. Concern. No, no, and I think that's a lot, and it's to to his to his credit, because other people like you know how many wrestlers have we seen? Oh, he's he's great in there, right? but guy can't cut a promo to save his life, right? Because we can't get him to show emotion. This guy has to show no emotion anytime that he's doing anything. He can't be angry. You can't feel pain. You can't be sad. You can't be happy. But we need you to make money without showing a fucking emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got obviously the best moment, the most important moment, and the, my favorite moment is the idea of the Hell in a Cell. But it is that shot of looking up at him from the floor up to the cell, and we don't we know what's going through his mind now in the hindsight of it being twenty five years later, right? But the idea that here's this guy that that the commentator is screaming is dead, and at the top, very far away, is the fucking dead man looking down at him, like oh he bad, oh he's it's so like- bad. Yeah. Completely isolated. Yes. Like there's no more lonely island than you could possibly be than on top of that fucking cage in that arena around everybody. Everyone doing what they can. You can't talk to anybody. I I have a look on my face like I just fucking like when when I just drop something in the kitchen that I'm not supposed to drop. Yeah. Like I'm drying a bowl and it drops like, oh my God, because I think the bowl's gonna break. He did that <laughs> to a fucking human being. Threw <laughs> his ass off. <laughs> And, and he's standing there like, don't show any emotion. You just fucking killed a guy on national television. They can't arrest me for this, can they? And that, like, that speaks to The Undertaker yeah. because he's a wrestler's wrestler. Exactly. He yes. didn't sell it. 
Mm-hmm. He did not sell it. You know what I mean? And that's, I don't know what that really says about him in the grand scheme of life. I mean, but it says something. But think about all the other times, all the times wrestlers have tried to get the Undertaker to break character and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same guy who some years later would be on the way to the elimination chamber and they would light him on fire and he would just whip off the coat, smack himself a couple of times, and he is standing in the chamber pod sizzling. <laughs> Sizzling. And they're like giving him water to pour on himself, and he's not. He's, he worked the damn match. Right. Sizzling. Sizzling. So, like, what? Uh, how can else can you can that's you put it back? That that's yeah. That's a guy. It always reminds me of the story of uh, Ving Rhames. This is a sidebar, but it's a great story. Hey, we're doing pretty good. We are. It's yeah. the first one. It's yeah. actually first really impressive. In the Dawn of the Dead remake, right? Uh, well, that Zack Snyder did. When you lead off with fucking the Sega channel, it kind of like sets the rest of the tone. So we're going to focus that's on. Trust yeah. me, we got <laughs> callers, so I'm sure we're not going to spend the last half of the show on topic whatsoever. But uh, in the Dawn of the Dead remake, Ving, Ving Rhames had a scene where he was getting sewn up. Uh, and they had a prosthetic arm on him. And uh, the actress who was sewing him up pierced his actual skin and started sewing the real skin underneath. And I did Rams not know fucking that. Fucking no soul that. That was Sarah Pauly. Yeah. yeah. Marcellus Wallace ain't fucking cutting for anybody. So no. So that reminds <laughs> yeah, me, like, every time I hear about like, yeah, fucking yeah. like one. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, what happened to that actor? Zed's dead. Uh, so right. I guess what? So next thing we want to talk about, we're going to get into our favorite matches here in a second, but one of the biggest storylines around the career of the dead man is the streak. Yeah. Started as a fluke and then 10 wins in they're like, Oh shit. He won 10 years in a row at WrestleMania. Let's see how long we can get this going. Yeah. So what is everyone's thoughts on the streak? Jones, we'll start with you. So, uh, as far as, uh, kind of backtrack just a hair, uh, when it came to most important moments, uh, you know, it was it started at the, the Undertaker versus the Undertaker, then it kind of transitioned to Lesnar breaking the streak, and then I went fuck that noise. You know, it's got to be you know hell in a cell. But um, I, to me, there are two things that make the Undertaker really important. Uh, one, that he was so genuinely respected across multiple generations of wrestling, yep. wrestlers in yes. wrestling, and two, uh, the streak. Uh, we have been fortunate, and, and I'm sure most of the listeners have been very fortunate enough to have witnessed uh, the evolution of the streak. To go from oh, Undertaker's three and oh, hey, to this motherfucker has like won like twenty times in a goddamn row, basically. Here, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, most guys haven't even been wrestling for twenty years. Much less like, yeah. last I, twenty I, appearances. Now, yeah. here's the thing, and we're, I'm going to go back to an old episode. Right, we're gonna we're gonna call back to WrestleMania 18. And, and if I recall correctly, we discussed Archives. It's Archives. Available archive. in the archives, ladies great, and gentlemen. Great episode, by the way. It's it a is a good episode. I'm sorry for that. Uh, I'm not. But it's good. I'm not. It was fun. <laughs> um, so in that episode, if correct me if I'm wrong, we spoke about when WrestleMania kind of became, it's not about the matches, it's about the brand. Yeah, and yeah. I think I had said that I felt that that match kind of started that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to backtrack. Oh. Uh, because I'm, I'm allowed to fucking do that. Yes. Um, and I think that Undertaker Streak becoming a real thing created the brand. It Listen, because it got to a point, it didn't even matter. You wanted to see who the if, if it could be done. Yeah, at, yeah. That, at that point, as it evolved, it was more about that's what puts asses in seats as opposed to nobody really cared about the rest of the card. Aside from yeah. title matches, that's yeah. it. 
Yes. They wanted to see who was Undertaker going to face and is he going to keep it going. And and it became it, – and the first uh, – I think one of the first times I actively remember kind of like thinking it was kind of cool that there was a streak was WrestleMania 17, I think, under Triple H. Uh, and it was like, oh, you know, because Triple H is a big deal back then. Uh, you know, could it, could it be done? No, obviously it wasn't done. But it, it was it's really cool to watch something go from, oh, that's kind of a little footnote. Oh, that's kind of like a little bit of trivia – to oh that's kind of a big deal to it's now its own championship like the under he's the only professional wrestler in my lifetime to become a championship no that's what i was gonna say that is how people are supposed to view a championship is the street to the want to to see it defended and that that range of emotion that happened every year but once we were all aware of what the streak was that we'd all go through that that's he's not gonna break it then you're in the middle of the match you're like are they going to have him do it? And then there was that one moment match like, oh, they're going to fucking have him do it. And then you're like, ah, that's right. Yeah, that piece of shit couldn't do it. And you go through the whole thing, right? Every single time. And then there's the guys you didn't want to see break it. Like, no disrespect to Mark Henry, but I don't think there's anybody no. in, the, in the world that wanted to see Mark Henry break the streak. And then there's guys you wanted. They're like, oh, if they gave it to Punk. I wouldn't be that upset about it, right? About or, or, or is it the Michaels? Is it going to be the career? You know, that kind of question. So... So yeah, I, for sure. I, I like how you bring that point up, Jones. That the um, that the streak became its own mania match. Mm-hmm. That it became its own title. Yeah. Um, because you know the the thing that and we we've had this conversation off show and even a little bit on show about WrestleMania in general. You know, um, I we you have you know no you and I have talked about this. You're a big fan of it being two nights. More yes. wrestling the merrier. Yes. I'm not. I want. Just the cream to rise to the top. One night of spectacle. Because, you know, natural selection, if you only have the top 15 or 20 performers doing the show for four hours, you're going to get just the best matches. And that's going to create the real WrestleMania moments. Which I, which I appreciate. And I don't like how WWE pushes, well, he's got to get his WrestleMania moment. You don't create a WrestleMania moment. It just fucking happens, yes. right? It's got to be organic. Which yeah. is what the streak was. Yes. It really was organic. And and the thing about the streak that I think is so impressive is that, again, before we've gotten to the point of two nights of WrestleMania where everybody has to get a fucking medal and go ahead and work, whether the matches are going to be good or not, whether you want to see the match or not, and a lot of times they're throwing the storylines together too quickly, blah, 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 right? But... When WrestleMania was a two and a half, three hour show, and you only had the best six or seven matches of the year happening, it meant a little more. Undertaker yeah. always was on that card. Yeah. To me, especially early, where you could easily have found where a lot of people weren't like this. You know, the, some of the best wrestlers of all time didn't work six, seven, eight WrestleManias in a row. Didn't win no. WrestleMania six, seven, eight times in a row. You're right. But Undertaker always was. And that to me, especially early on in the streak, before it became realized, before it became its own monster, was the fact that Mark Calloway and that character was so fucking good that he always was in the top five. He yeah. was always going to be there and always work. Protected. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I, I pulled up the list of who all the losers in the street were. Yeah, yeah, I did that too when we were doing this. And let's just put, for mindset purposes, look at sort of the transition of past Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, and the guys that were victim of the street. 
So we have Snooka, yeah, Jake the Snake, mm-hmm. Giant Gonzalez, King Kong Bundy, Diesel, Psycho Sid, Kane, Big Boss Man, Triple H three times, Ric Flair, uh, A Train and Big Show at the same time, Randy Orton, Mark Henry, Batista, Edge, Shawn Michaels twice, CM Punk, Bray Wyatt, Shane McMahon, John Cena, AJ Styles, all WrestleMania wins. And to lose to fucking Brock Lesnar. That is the other. I remember. I remember. <sighs> we were at Max House. Yep. At the estate, watching this match, and we we typically get pretty rowdy on WrestleMania nights, uh, as we do. And I remember we were all like so fired up about that match, and when it ended, it was silence. Noah got up and walked out of the fucking house. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was one it was of those like, moments. We're like, we're, we're like, wait, like, was that a false finish? It was shock. <laughs> that really just happened. It was shock. Yeah, yeah. That it was one of the most, and it was, uh, it was Batista and John Cena going over the rope at the same time. Yeah, but he, but and Vince McMahon blowing up both quads trying to get into the ring. First what one, the that's, fuck has happened? That's amazing. Right. I can't wait to cover that Royal Rumble one. But just fucking good. I can't either. No, uh, and. Uh, I am one of those people that believes that not only should the streak have been broken, but it was the right guy to have broken the streak. Because, but most importantly, because it was this our championship, right? And we had gotten this unique thing that, no, that nobody planned on happening, but became this organic, amazing concept of wrestling. That here is this guy who hasn't been beaten in this fake fucking business. Yeah. That they, they can have beat anyone, but no one. And we're, we're and every time the Undertaker would wrestle someone at WrestleMania, you would suspend your disbelief more than any other time in your life that had been suspended. And then, but the only thing better than that was the absolute shock moment that we got when, yeah. it, when it ended. Yeah, talk and about the, an overall reaction. Yes, and the people in the they didn't play the fucking genius for them not to play Lesnar's music. No. Right, it was genius. They had goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, like to, how how dare they try? Like anyone who's like. Uh, they should never have broken the streak. It's like, ah, how dare you deprive people of that moment? Yeah. It's an honest feeling and a, and a wrestling that strives for real emotion. And part of it is Mark Calloway's commitment to the business. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like not just the character, but the business. I mean, he lived and breathed for the WWE. And so when Vince said, it's time, do you want to drop this to Lesnar? And he said, if that's what's best for business, let's do it. He didn't hesitate. You know, typically Vince is like, you're going to fucking drop this match. I don't fucking But there, there was this level of respect between those two. And they're, you know, if you watch the Hall of Fame induction, like obviously they're long time and very close friends. But there's this level of respect because of his commitment to the business and the respect that he had in the locker room oh, man. because he was such a leader. Yeah. Um, and he was such a he was such like a player's coach yeah. uh, to the guys in the back. Um that it commanded respect in both directions. And, you know, yes, there was a time for him to, to drop the streak. Was that the right one? Probably in hindsight, but the fucking moment that it created. Well, it lived unforget- live forever. Unforgettable. Yes. You know, so as, as you, as you mentioned that, right, because again, who ended the streak is as important as the streak itself. Yes. Right. right. And, you know, I look at this, in a weird way, like the end of Game of Thrones. For years, because that show had to go on a hiatus to do the last couple seasons, yeah. every fucking fanboy in the world sat around and came up with their own ending to that show. Yep. What's going to happen? And then everybody debated it. 
Yep. And it became this huge thing for like two years. And then we got an ending to that show that pissed everybody the fuck <laughs> off because it was the one ending nobody thought about. Yes, they booked it in and, their heads. And yeah. whether or not I agree with how the show ended, I do give respect to the writers of the show for giving people the thing, because that's what the entire show is based on. We're giving you what you're not expecting. We're going to break all the rules. And then the way they ended the show is the same thing. With The Undertaker's streak, it's the same thing. Why Brock Lesnar? He doesn't need it. No, he really didn't need it. But in the grand scheme, too, he kind of did. I'm going to back you up on that one. See, I don't. the idea is Lesnar as a Hall of Fame character, as a legitimate badass, didn't need it, right? But. Right. But in the idea of what they have done with it, and what anyone else, if let's say, let's say it was Punk, and I, I'm a big CM Punk fan, right? But let's say Punk beats the Undertaker the year before, right? And now Punk is the guy that ends the streak, and they put it off. Could you have seen that with the physical build and the look of Punk, that they would have based the next six the WrestleManias? No, yeah. they wouldn't have based the yeah, next six, seven, there. eight WrestleManias yeah. around him. Because because it's Punk, and he would have snarkily talked his ass off about it. But the fact that Brock Lesnar. Who was already, as we have famously quoted, a bear in a person suit, yeah. right? Uh, with a dick tattoo on with, his chest. With a giant he has dick a giant dick tattoo. And nobody will fucking tell nobody him will about say that. Anything. He'll make you suck that dick tattoo. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up in a cold sweat. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" And I just think I can't say dick tattoo, but I'm just worried he's here. <laughs> but uh, but but the idea he's is cucking you in the fucking corner. Every just watching you sleep. Every mania. Since he broke the streak, Lesnar's been in the main event every year, yeah. every single year, and so they've gotten their money out of this. They've and think about the guys that, that they were never going to have Seth Rollins beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, but they had Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar, they had Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar, and they definitely didn't have Dean Ambrose beat Brock Lesnar, but they had a, a bunch of people go against Lesnar to kind of continue that thing. And to this day, it doesn't matter if he's fucking wearing a Jimmy Jong sausage shorts or if he's in a fucking overalls that music hits brock lesnar hops out and you're like that's a legitimate badass yeah. and in part because for all of us who know knew him as the as the next big thing or the ufc fighter fans today know him as the fucking giant guy that beat the street and there you are and so i i feel like in a lot of ways it was the absolute perfect call because for the next 10 years lesnar can keep putting people up and and lesnar in himself is a spectacle yes and wrestling as we know especially wwe Always loves the spectacle. spectacle he's a spectacle basically. without a gimmick. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's a spectacle he, he, with testicles. Right. <laughs> uh, so how I feel about uh, the, the street being broken, uh, I was waiting for somebody to break Jeff. Um, oh, shit. Is I feel very strongly that Brock did not need that win. Uh, I think Brock was officially a bad motherfucker. Before that, long before that, it had been clearly established as such. Before that, uh, now, but I, you know, will agree in that they got their money's worth out of that. Sure, but he could have easily been in the main event ten years, you know, plus without it, and still been just as effective and just as intimidating. I argue that nobody, nobody was ready to beat the streak. No one really. It's a good argument. I yes. mean, look. I think the importance of the streak and Undertaker retiring with it, I think, would have really helped. Did he really need it to solidify him? Maybe not. 
but I think it would have been so cool to yeah. retire with that title. Yeah, if you think yeah. about the sort of the pedestal that that would have put him on. Because in imagine, a league of his own. Because imagine his. It's like we all kind of know they can build like this is his last match ever. And it's at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. And so they put him against somebody like Brock Lesnar. And Brock doesn't beat the fucking streak. That moment with The Undertaker getting his arms raised would have been that is a WrestleMania moment, ending his career with the streak intact. I, and I think that would have been a good nod for him. Yeah. I got I to. Gotta, I, I, I like it. But I, I like. Wrestling is so big, right? And it's always so. I mean, what happened later that night, right? Daniel Bryan wins the World Heavyweight Championship, and seventy-five thousand people are screaming yes. Yes, we in your living room, Matt, were chanting. Oh, yes. it was great. It's excellent, right? And so it's all about the big babyface moment. I just personally like that. Here is one moment that is clearly a fucking tragedy. Like it is, it is the red wedding of wrestling. Yeah, the streak being. Yeah, I agree. It's like the Thanos snap. Yes. Like, and it, doesn't, it doesn't yeah. feel good, but, but you know what? it's important for the story. I yes. don't think about it. Right. It's like it didn't even happen. So to me, and then I guess, again, this is all from a consumer perspective as yeah. a wrestling fan, the streak ended. What was it worth then? What, what good does that actually do Brock Lesnar? I mean, Because most people, I feel, and I'm just generalizing, obviously, how could I know? I feel most people are like, fuck that. That was stupid booking. It did, again. I just feel like it didn't help Brock any more than he was already, he was already solidified, over. certified yeah, badass. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. He didn't make him a god. I mean, so Brock and Taker do have a relationship. Yeah. I think if there was anybody to beat the streak too, I'm sure Taker's happy it was Brock. Oh, right. absolutely. And sure is. Yeah. And more For happy sure. it was I mean, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yes. Well, they, they elevated each other a lot in that. <laughs> in that first draft split too, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, for sure. Uh, we can argue more. When we cover WrestleMania 30, which has to happen at some point, let's argue extensively. When it's long, uh, we give it five years of this podcast, and it'll be, it'll cross our threshold. <laughs> we talk about WrestleMania 30. Real quick, real quick, before we move on from this topic, no, because I know we want to, we're talking about Brock ending the streak. Yep. Yeah. What about Roman defeating Taker. It's not a part of the streak, but it is a part of the streak. Because if Brock is just the one in 20 blank and one, Roman defeats Taker. Yeah. Are we getting the same runway with Roman beating Taker like we have with Brock beating Taker? Absolutely not. It has not been the same, right? No, no and I think the people resented it. I think mm -hmm. Lesnar worked as a shock moment, because nobody even... And here's the no thing, one no one wanted that. to see it. No yeah. one wanted to see no it. No one wanted to see yeah. it. But when it happened, you were stuck with it, right? And <laughs> you're like, and everyone, I walked out of the house. Everyone was just that's, sat in silence. That's so. how Stephanie feels about me naked. Oh, nobody yeah. wants to see it, but once she did, she stuck with it. Yes, but, well, you know. Love you, baby. There it is. We, uh, but where it is with Roman, beating it, uh, beating the Undertaker two years later, right? I think it was... Everyone was so against the Roman push at that time. And I, and the match just didn't pan out the way they wanted it to. They just knew. There was very little chance the Undertaker was going to beat Roman Reigns in that match. Yeah. And so it was like seeing this come from a long way off, and it didn't make it any better. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you, for those number of years, you saw, you know, Taker was getting less and less ring time. Yeah. And the ring time he was getting, you could see he was a little rusty. And 
Roman was rising quickly. I mean, it it, it was a little one-sided. You know, there, nice. it, it made sense for him to lose that match. Yeah, but then again, too, you could have asked yourself, did the match even need to have happened? It didn't. Did. No, because I don't yeah. think Roman was more over for beating Undertaker in the no. main event of WrestleMania no, than it, it would have been. Another one on the list. So I got sidebar number two here. Oh, please do. Because I was uh, watching a portion of SmackDown, uh, and Roman Reigns was on you know, with the Usos and everything. And I'm like, I've been a big fan of this Roman Reigns heel deal. Since it started. And it's just so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and I have this moment of clarity. As I'm assuming Hollywood does not snatch that man up because it very well. Rumors happen. are that it's happening. Yeah. That's yeah. about right. He's going to be not on SmackDown all summer because he's filming of something. He fucking is. Um, well, I was going to say for that information uh, that you imagine because he's still pretty fucking young. You imagine as he gets a little older, starts to gray a little bit in that beard. The fucking tribal chief look really comes in and yeah. he retains that gimmick that. That seasoned vet. Now he's just a seasoned veteran. So he's, he really isn't yet. Not really. No, he's, he's still a, proving him. He, he's yet. about at the he's Undertaker. A bad character. He's a bad dude. He's at the Undertaker was around Big Evil time. Yeah, yeah. But now like, imagine right, just right, transition right. to that stage where, like, it's like when he says it's his job, when he says it's his kingdom, he says it's his, it's his world. Yeah, you believe. Yeah, you've earned it. And I just think it's really cool to watch to watch that man's career kind of transition the way it has, and finally. The guy He's there. with him. And to come back after his health scares. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, to come back so strong. It's it's so it's, interesting. It's respectable for sure. It's so interesting because when he went away for having a, bout, a second bout with leukemia, yeah. you realize no one's going to ever boo that man again because mm-hmm. of that. And then they turn around and say, you know what? We're going to make him heal. So you have to boo him. And it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's uh, good storytelling. Oh, sure. So, but one last thing though, it's the one thing I like about that Roman Reigns Undertaker match at WrestleMania. Do you guys remember the next night on Raw afterward? So they call him out to open the show. Roman Reigns does, and the fans post Raw after Mania won't let him talk. So it goes on. It's like the op, the anti Hogan thing after WrestleMania 18, where they just wouldn't let him speak because they were cheering too loud. They booed him, and every time he got the mic up to his mouth, they booed him out of the yeah. business. And to the second he's tucking for a second, it's like nine minutes of booing. He goes. It's my yard now. And he dropped yeah. it, and the place goes crazy. <laughs> that should have fucking started right there. Yeah. Like, get it. Yeah. yeah. That was the guy that we're That's seeing awesome. now yeah. that we should have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Slow is there. Sure, acknowledge me has gotten yeah. over for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. I love it. That yeah. was annoying as shit at first. It, but it's, I like, like it, though. You know, like, I, I like it. it. I like it. Dude, that, 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 that helps. You got your seat at the table. So did you guys see future Hall of Fame or future WWE champion? Oh. God damn it! Why am I? Wait to interrupt the momentum with that. I, one. I, I know. Right. I, no, because I just want to call him RK Bro, but Riddle, Riddle. Riddle. Thank you. I, that's it. Just my brain fucking farting. Like that's not RK Bro. <laughs> but when they did that thing at the end of, of Raw the other night, when they just were fucking around and just going acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. <laughs> that's right. I yeah. thought that was great with him and Orton and and Drew McIntyre antagonizing the bloodline coming out. I just, I just like that. And I'm, and I'm watching it and I'm saying to myself, fucking riddle, no fucking elbow pads, no knee pads, no boots. He's going to have is one day going to be the number one fucking guy in WWE. It is going to happen. I'm going to go hard. Disagree on that. It's going to happen. Whether you, I don't see that. that happening. I it's going to happen. Uh, no, first of all, do you not disrespect the good goddamn name of Prince? Ikea? I just, okay. First of all, you're allowed to. <laughs> I can't wait. God, dear sweet listeners who we haven't acknowledged in some time we've been babbling. 
I swear to God, I can't wait till we get into WCW in the fall because I, I Prince Iakea is like when you like when I remember, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, and I put him on the the bottom tier of my uh, 90s attitude era wrestlers but when you realize that in 90s wcw he was mid-tier there's a lot of good shit and terrible shit that goes some on. great matches with william regal if i remember oh dude, there's some actually good stuff with jericho uh you know uh Iowakia, that he, ikea that he called him it was great uh no but riddle and uh and orton right now really reminds me a lot of the attitude era with like their, their kind of back and forth banter promos so good shit but let's let's focus up to get to the good shit, let's all discuss our favorite Undertaker match. This was my favorite part of this podcast. Yes. this Because I, I had so much fun watching these matches again. Having a specific reason to watch them. Yeah, because it's one thing when we go back and watch a whole pay-per-view. Yeah. There's a lot of like shit you got to get through yeah. to yeah. get like to the meat. Uh, but for this, because we told each other in advance what our favorite matches were, it was really fun to see how closely aligned they all are in terms of <laughs> opponents. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also to go back and see, like, yeah, these are some good fucking matches. The thing that I loved about it is that every match that we picked was different. Yeah. And it, it was a different version of how The Undertaker worked. It was a different kind of match. And it showed the versatility that Mark Calloway has and his ability yeah, sure. to fucking tell a match and, and tell a story within every match. And I also like that of all you motherfuckers, I'm the other one to pick the match he won. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, listen, but that also says a lot about him. A great wrestler <laughs> knows how to lose. Fucking yeah, right. Yes. yes. That's how you Very absolutely. Over. Very true. And Calloway was the king of putting guys over. And he, uh, I mean, so many, we just, we just got done rambling about a bunch of them. So who wants to start this one? Now, before we go, dear sweet sexual listeners, um, this is the time that you should pay attention. Because if you haven't seen any of the matches, we'll say this ahead of time. If you haven't seen any of the matches that we're about to list, you need to treat yourself. When this podcast is over, load up the Peacock, load up the WWE Network, load up YouTube, and fucking find them. Because every single thing we talk about is going to be worth your time. Hearing you say load up the Peacock... Oh, I have to emphasize. Gets me excited. Yeah. yeah, excited. Yeah, I'm super excited. Excited. Emphasis on the word. Yeah. Peacock. Yeah. The sensors here on our live Podbean. Thank you very much to Podbean for hosting us here today. But the spe- the sensors that like to skim through Podbean uh, won't uh, censor that word if I say peacock. Oh, because yeah. it's a bird. It's a channel. Okay. And a bird. And a bird it is. What does? What <laughs> well, I was thinking what? of, I was thinking of old Howard Stern <laughs> bits as you said that because of different ways they were to get around the censors by saying certain shit. This is the first you time know. we have a chat feature yeah. uh, with some listeners in our chat right now, and so what I would like to very much do is en- encourage our listeners to answer this question: What is the sex organ of a male peacock? Is it a peacock cock? Who knows? We'll check in back with you <laughs> after our favorite Undertaker matches. Uh, who wants to go first? What noise does a peacock make at the point of climax? I don't know. Oh. It probably sounds like a pigeon. <laughs> oh. We all know what that. <laughs> For also, better or worse. Also in the archive. I know at least oh. I know at least one listener who has who does not know the sound a pigeon makes at climax. Um, yet, yet, yet. A cock pee is a cock pee. Okay. A cock pee. Right. I like it. I like it. Chat has answered. 
Yeah. I like this. Yeah. I like this thing. Um, so I guess I'll go. Go um, for it. So my favorite Undertaker match, uh, and again, preface that I don't, I don't love Undertaker matches typically. I, I like the character more than I like his matches typically. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Undertaker versus The Rock versus Kurt Angle, Vengeance 2002. So good. Uh, let me, God, I probably, that's the one, with the exception of Hell in a Cell, 98. This is the Undertaker match I've watched the most in my adult life. Because uh, it's just good. All across yeah. the board. It was a, It's an excellent triple threat match. Uh, everybody gets their shit in, and everybody looks good. But, like, we're talking... Undertaker is like, you know, he's really into the big evil thing now. He's, mm-hmm. like, really fully transitioned to a heel. He's champion. And he's beating the shit out yeah. of people. I love it. Rock is white hot. He's over like Rover. It is, there is no question the superstardom of the people's champ. But more importantly than all that, Kurt Angle is right there. He's just How transitioned. He fit into that was impressive. Yeah, so he good. has transitioned now to the wrestling machine. Yes. And let, look, I um, forget the fact that he's from Pittsburgh. I could care less about that. Kurt Angle. Is one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. Yes, it's true. There it's is damn true. Kurt, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle's from over the fucking hill. Yeah, yeah, very, like, very yeah, close for, to where we're going. That. Yeah. That, what matters to me is that this man, I have never seen one human being do what he does in the ring so effortlessly. Well, the, oh, no, that's a lie. Actually, I'm going to put him in a category. You guys will appreciate this. There are some wrestlers, and I hope that uh, the audience here can vibe with this, but there are some wrestlers who, like, you could, like, you know, it doesn't look like they're trying. Yes. Like, it just, it looks like they were born taking bumps. Yep. Right? Uh, Barry Windham is a guy who made it look fucking effortless. Oh, dude, a good Bobby Eaton yeah. is a guy who made it look fucking effortless. And for all his controversies and his demons, Dustin fucking Runnels, Dustin Rhodes, fucking, he's really fucking smooth in Still the Still my favorite person ever hit the ropes in the, in the, like, he doesn't even look like, like I don't know how everyone I, else I is learning like, to do it, but he's yeah. so I know that I, growing up, did not give that man the respect that I didn't put respect on his fucking name the way I should have because yeah. the gimmick got in the way. It sucks oh, yeah. that the gimmick got, and in he the was way. so good at the gimmick. But at his age, he's still fucking smooth as silk yes. in the ring. The point is, Kurt Angle is in rarefied air in terms of his ability to perform, to do things that for his size, he, under, Kurt Angle could wrestle anybody. He could he could adapt to anybody. He could adapt to any style. He could brawl. He could te- be technical. He could jump off the top rope and not look awkward. No, like a swan. Very few wrestlers, top wrestlers, can do that. But I just want to give that man his flowers a little bit. But this match, sweet Jesus, it's so good. And, like, Rock's not an amazing professional wrestler. But he's a great sports entertainer. Nobody will ever Facts. say that he's he's he's. 100% but Facts. all three Beautiful. of these guys gelled so well in this Everyone match. knew what they were doing. No, yeah. but, so real quick though, if you think about like the biggest name wrestlers of all time, you're never going to look at Austin, Rock, Hogan, even fucking Andre the Giant as saying they're great fucking no. professional wrestlers. Great personalities. Great yeah. personalities, fucking nailed the gimmick. Good wrestlers, yeah. sometimes even above average wrestlers, but you're not going to put them in the same conversation as Bret Hart. No. You're not putting them in the same conversation as Kurt Angle. No. You're not putting them in the same conversation as Chris Jericho. Nope. Great. Right? Intercontinental champion of all time, Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man. Give him his flowers. Oh, right? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, no one thinks that. I don't think no. that. Look, because there was a time. I, I brought it back. There up. was a time. <laughs> there was a time when you couldn't make the argument based off of the sheer, sheer longest reign of all time. But 
Here's the that's thing. That's Ace. Yeah, that's Ace. That's Ace. But since then, we've had several people who are better in front of the camera. I love. I still love saying Jones. It's closing time at the bar. All right, you've had a whole bunch. We're gonna fast. We're gonna rewind here. You know, good three, four years before Allie came into the picture, and uh, the lights are starting to come up on the bar. You got to make a decision. It's time to go home with somebody. On one side, you got the honky tonk man sitting there strumming his guitar. On the other side, Noah, take it. On the other side, looking at you in such a way that can only be described as both aggressive and primal. At the edge of the stool is the Sega channel. How the fuck did we get here? <laughs> and the Sega channel is wearing a denim jacket. It is. It's it is. wearing a fucking sweet denim jacket. <laughs> and when you look over, you're looking at the honky tonk man. And God, I know how you feel about Wayne Paris. He doesn't want to look at you either. He's try- probably trying to bang the Sega channel. Are you going to let the honky tonk man fuck the Sega channel? Or are you going to step in? Are you going to do what needs to be done? And are you going to step up and go straight three knuckles deep on that most sacred of 90s video game accessories? Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Don't answer. Don't answer. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Let it muster. Let it muster up. That triple threat match, though. Yeah, good, huh? What did you guys think of that match? So I love the pace of the match. You know, I'm one of the things about WWE that I really enjoy is that, you know, regardless of what they're trying to do, there's always a, a typical pace to the match. You try to let the storytelling kind of, you know, have its place. Um, you give the wrestlers time, you know, you work on the bad knee, you know, you work on the elbow. Um, you're, you're telling a story in the ring about what's happening here. This match, though, with those three guys at this time was of, of the four matches we watched was easily the fastest of the four matches. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, oh God, they, the pacing of it. They yeah, yeah. fucking, all three of them went. And in terms of Taker, where you're used to him being methodical, being very purposeful, being very slow because that's his thing, right? Undertaker is fucking Jason Voorhees and Mike Myers from the 1980 oh, yeah. from horror movies. Like no matter how fast you fucking run, you turn around, they're still behind you just slowly walking. Right. Mm-hmm. But this isn't that right. Taker has to fucking amp up. There's He's got to level up because Rocky's going to go and fucking Kurt Angle is absolutely going to go. Well, yeah, no, there's a sense of urgency in this match that I fucking adore. And now, and this yeah. is also something uh, I haven't poured out my notes the entire time because we're talking about The Undertaker. But the thing I wanted to absolutely say is this is the first incredible triple threat match in WWE history. I think yeah. so. The before most then, memorable one. Yeah, absolutely. Before yeah. then, they had, they had tooled around the idea. Famously, the most memorable one before that multi-man match was the Fatal 4-Way Elimination at WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, and it was good. It's fine. But the WWE typically didn't do multi-man matches, especially yeah. in big things, because the, because they didn't trust the competitors enough. It was hard to sell and it. There, there's, yeah, and it's, there's a lot of moving parts, and so you got to trust every single person. But the idea that all three guys had their their perks as to why, because the dead man was one big move away from putting you down. Yep. And Kurt Angle was, if he got a hold of you, you were toast. And The Rock was just explosive. And I love that's how they sold it. It's like, he doesn't do much, but if he can, out of nowhere, The Rock can do it, which eventually, spoiler, he fucking does. I actually yeah. kind of thought that was interesting in that match, too, that Rock was kind of out of it for as long as he was. Yeah. yeah he was out yeah, of the ring yeah, and it everything. Was, it was a lot of one-on-one with Taker and Angle. 
which you could tell that they had the two guys that had the utmost respect for each other when they were in there working because there's no reason. And, I, and Kurt Angle, first of all, isn't an Olympic goddamn gold medalist. So also, if he with wants you to bump, you're going to bump. With a broken fucking neck. Yes, with a broken, broken freaking neck. Yes. Yes. Sorry. So, uh, but here's the thing. If he wants you to bump, you're going to bump, right? You're going down. <laughs> and Undertaker, if he wants you to bump, you're going to bump, right? But these two if guys. If you have, want him to bump, he's not going to bump. No, hey, no, no, no chance. So the <laughs> idea that these two are like, how about we just call it down the middle and bump for each other? I'm, I'm still working on this guy right here. Taking it, the, the delirium. Uh, Doc just pointed and wanted to know why I'm still drinking my first beer. And it's because I don't drink, uh, haven't drank that often because we. Uh, haven't recorded the podcast in a bit, and uh, this thing is uh, currently kicking my ass, and <laughs> right, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself as we get the, the event going here, but I want to use that as a segue. I love this match, and I love this match. I love everything about this match. Um, best triple threat match, but that's why my favorite match is The Undertaker versus Kurt Angle yeah. at No Way Out 2006. This is probably the most under the radar of the matches we took because it's, yeah. it's the go-home pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Uh, but this this serves so many great moments because this was when Kurt Angle was in his absolute stride at the yep. end of his yes. WWE run. He, mm-hmm. he could literally have wrestled a bus. It made the bus look good. Not a broom, like a bus, a broom, full, a bus full of brooms, rather. A broom full of buses. Either one, man. I don't know how you fucking get it in there. That's a visual. Yeah. How about that for a triple? It's your dick in a book, yeah. and you're booking a dick. That, yes, it hurts so good. What's right? important is that you're not only so having you learned something. <laughs> I, I was gonna say it's not important with that analogy that there's a lot of books to promote literacy, but also an equal amount of dicks. And I appreciate that you've taken that that stance. But no, uh, Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. And what I love about that match is the idea The Undertaker takes no bones about, I'm going to work a completely different wrestling match than I've ever worked on pay-per-view in this match. He's like, oh, I'm in here with Kurt Angle. I could I could dead man this. We could have the same match we had at Survivor Series 1999 or we had like on SmackDown in 2004. It's like, nah, nah, let's fucking wrestle. And so they did. Yeah. You know, a Taker often says that one of his favorite people to work with of all time is Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. And he and and also too when um you know I I, I made sure to rewatch the last ride even before we're doing this just kind of get like pumped up, you know. And there is an awful lot of how much Taker really appreciated Angle. Angle took the Taker, Taker kind of took Angle under his wing, you know, they had a great relationship, you know, off in the ring, out of the ring. Um but Again, kind of shifting how because the thing I got loved about this again, every match is so different. Mm-hmm. This became like the fucking ankle lock match to me. Yeah, right. Just how many times Angle put that fucking ankle lock on Taker to get him to submit, and just how the how in that match, you know, again with with Rock and 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 Angle, it's really fast. This isn't that way. I mean, it's almost grinding to a halt. Mm-hmm. And the way that they're kind of telling the story in this match that I think is extremely unique to what we had, you know, been, been looking at here. Yeah, I, I'd mentioned to Noah uh, before the show started, uh, and we were kind of briefly talking about uh, the matches that we had chosen. And I told him, like, you know, I'm pretty confident. I, yeah, I know I've never seen it. this match before. And I, I'm so glad that I got a chance to watch it. If you, of all the matches uh, that we have that we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about tonight, if there's one, honestly that I, I really recommend anybody listening to this to watch is that match. Uh, and I wrote in my notes very specifically, the last 10 minutes of this match is some of the best wrestling Undertaker has ever done. Yes. And I was so totally floored 
how good and how like you know and the, the announcer is telling the ankle lock and 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 because you got there's a fine line here right because i'm yeah. sitting and watching this i'm like look if he puts this on one too many times it's like eh, it loses its value right it's just the, the right amount of times selling it the right way the right like the undertaker tap is it gonna happen will he submit undertaker doesn't tap out he doesn't give up he's the toughest man it was just such a good story the match was fucking excellent i don't believe in star systems and all that shit but if i was going to give any match a five star it's that match is a five star match uh and 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 you know just real quick and the sort of Kind of goes to like the legacy of the Undertaker, but I'm just gonna real quick just because I'm feeling it. One of the things that I think you have to appreciate about the man, the professional uh, of the Undertaker, uh, is that he was generous. Like he didn't yes. have to be. Like yeah. He really didn't have to be generous with so many different people to make them look good, because you reach a certain stage. In any profession, whatever you're doing, where you kind of like you're smelling yourself, you feel like you are the, the top of whatever it is you do, you don't have to be generous to the people underneath you or parallel to you. But The Undertaker is a goddamn pro. Yeah. You know, and he was generous with his knowledge, his time, and in the fucking ring, making, you know, well, 2002, the match I chose, Angle was just a few years really in. And while though he was excellent, he was a prodigy, he didn't have to make him look as good as he did. Yeah. But the match would have suffered if he didn't. But I digress. Excellent. Yeah, one th- one thing I love about both of those matches in particular, and one thing I love about the Undertaker is, you know, you always see like these like Clash of the Giant type matches, like when it's Undertaker and Kane, or Undertaker and Diesel, or Undertaker and Psycho Sid, mm-hmm. or the Yeti at fucking Halloween. <laughs> Don't invoke his name. Uh, <laughs> like when when you have Fuck. two wrestlers of the same style. When it's two big guys, it's not very exciting. It's pretty lackluster. Yeah. When you have two super technical guys, yeah, it's interesting, but uh, it's also like too technical to yeah, a point. Yeah, almost to a point. Too, too the one thing that The Undertaker is so good at is these matches of conflicting styles. Yeah. Like, yes, technically he's a good wrestler, not a great wrestler, as Jones alluded to earlier. Yeah. Uh, Yelling at us. But you have somebody so technically perfectionist like Kurt Angle and to see the way that they're able to play off each other, even though they're, you know, one's quick and nimble, one's big and slow, but the way that they're able to dance in the ring and to tell a story, uh, it's fucking fantastic. And there's certain guys that it's consistent. It's Angle, it's Triple H, it's, Shawn Michaels, who we're going to talk about here in a second, which leads me into my favorite uh, oh, Undertaker match, which is uh, Bad Blood 97, Ugh. the very first Hell in a Cell match. Which is uh, obviously Shawn Michaels. a Shawn Michaels match that is not my favorite Undertaker Shawn Michaels match. This is match. true. We'll get to this that here true. in a few minutes. Oh, my uh, God. The Hell in so, a Cell yeah, match. the first Hell in a Cell match, uh, Shawn Michaels has just turned heel. Yep. Uh, he cost... Undertaker a match. Uh, at We've the, covered at in the our previous archives. Review. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they go into this match. I like the sound of that. Shawn Michaels. For those uh, listeners who have joined us, uh, Noah's nursing his beer over there, but the rest of us have cracked into our second beer. Uh, and because it's a wrestling show and because we're fucking live, 
We are drinking <laughs> a Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull American Lager. Goddamn fucking right. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's hell the yeah. bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I, I want to point out that we have not mentioned that of the four of us, I'm the only one who fucking showed up in character. I've got my fucking that's, Texas that's shirt on. questionable at best. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the best I could do. All right. Fuck you. All right. And I got the do rag on for the fucking dead man. Right. Dead man incorporated. Right. Appreciate that. So, you know, I, mean, I was wondering what the fuck you were doing when you were putting a bandana on same. as I'm doing the acting, intro. But, yeah, acting. But, I'm getting in the fucking mood, man. All, yeah. all right. I'm representing Taker from 2000 to 2004. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, back that. to Taker in 97 at Bad Blood. So first Hell in a, first hell in a Cell match. I love it. Ang- uh, Taker is fucking angry. Oh, and dude. And he is just beating the shit out of Shawn Michaels. And you know he for means the first it. 15 minutes. It's a long match. It's a 40-minute match. Oh, my God. Which it's is, a 40-minute match. Which is typically long for an Undertaker match. Uh, and it, it's one-sided for the first And it's not like match. Mick Foley held in the cell where Taker's just standing there for 20 minutes. Oh, no. Oh, no he's no. just beating the piss out of It's Shawn a man. lot of beating the piss out of him. 75% wasn't even in the ring. It's in the three-foot section between the outside of the ring and the cage. And just fucking going to town on him and beating the shit out of him. Uh, Michaels eventually gets back into the match. Uh, at one point, he decides to assault a uh, cameraman uh, aggressively. Yes, very uh, aggressive. To the point where they came out, came down and unlocked the cell uh, so that they could get the cameraman out in a stretcher. Uh, Michaels used that as a chance to escape. Taker chased him out. They ended up on top of the cell, as you do in a Hell in a Cell match. Yes. Although this was the first time we had ever experienced it. So no one needed to, but they yeah, did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, nobody got thrown through or over. Uh, but well, off the but Michaels got his ass beat on top of the cage. Then he tried to escape down. He did the old uh, classic cartoon, I'm going to stomp on your fingers so that you fall off the side. And so he fell hanging off the side through the Spanish announce table. Uh, madness ensued. Uh, Undertaker had the upper hand with the chair, and then it's got to be Kane. It's got to be. It's got to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. Out of nowhere, uh, shows up the once thought to be dead baby brother of the Undertaker. And one thing that's super interesting, and I mentioned this to these guys off air earlier, is one thing I really miss is the combination of Lawler, JR, and Vince McMahon yes. together at the announce table. The way they were able to play off each other. Like, if you didn't see what was happening, if your TV was blacked out and all you had was audio, like, they did such a good job of fucking painting the picture and telling the story audibly Mm -hmm. without being able to see it, even. Uh, There was just something magical about that era. Mm. But that match was just so good. The aggression of The Undertaker and, you know, the the crowd was all in for Taker at that point, you know. And they... Just were motherfucking well, Shawn Michaels. Well, because equally, we wanted to motherfuck Shawn Michaels, yeah. right? Yeah. I think, and, you know, Mark Calloway also wanted to motherfuck Shawn Michaels. I think everyone in the world yeah. did. There was an awful... 97, yes. yes. There was yeah. an awful lot of realism with with wanting to fucking break Shawn Michaels open and let him bleed like a stuck pig. There was so much blood. That I'm sure made him feel yeah. a little good about himself, yeah. right? He, he raked his face off that cage so many times. Yeah. And the, the only downside of the match for me was... So Kane gave Taker a half-ass tombstone, and he was knocked out for like 15 minutes. Well, Shawn Michaels slowly. <laughs> yeah, slowly. Because he's got to get his, his, his Shawn Michaels dramatic yeah, shit in. Just bleeding all over him, but uh, yeah. that's my favorite yeah. Taker match. 
the Hell in a Cell match, 97. And I, I, the reason why it is so good is, I mean, no disrespect to the performance involved. It had no business being that good. We're, 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 well, yeah, know, what that, was, yeah. that was the thing is that there was there was no there was no there was no fucking template for how you do this and yeah. you have to figure this out now in front of all these fucking people in yes. pay-per-view and, and we talk about it now like oh yeah Shawn michaels in the undertaker of course they tear the fucking house down well newsflash they didn't work like that before they, they, no so this is the first of these two yeah. On pay per view in the first Hell in a Cell match in a time where the Attitude Era was now getting in full swing. So, uh, and it's starting this crash course TV where between the Hart Foundation and DX and The Undertaker being the lone babyface in, in, uh, in Austin, who, by the way, was hurt from a broken neck from SummerSlam. So, your two top babyfaces, only one of them could fucking work. So, it was, it was crazy. It was definitely crazy at the time. Uh, but the match is incredible, guys. If yeah, you haven't seen it's so it, so good. It is a masterclass on what to do with two people in a shit ton of stealing fence. Like it is in a awesome. small area because they again, like you said, they only have like three feet outside of the cage yeah, to work, yes. and that's where they and spend most of the match. The entire fucking match is outside yeah. that. Yes, awesome. And you know, I didn't want them to go on top of the fucking steel cage, but then also I'm glad they went on top of the steel cage. You know, yeah. if you're gonna put a fucking steel cage down, you gotta go roof. on top of with it. a roof up. with a roof on it. You gotta go on top of it. Um, then the overselling of Kane by him ripping the door off oh, the hinges. Yeah. Yeah. Which were clearly loosened. Basically, there were no hinges. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you know, so we have the we have the match with Undertaker, Kurt Angle, and The Rock, where it's all athleticism. Yeah. It's all fucking wrestling. It's the kind of shit that you see in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Right? Where yep. it's just all over the place. Are we transitioning to another match? Yes. We might be. I just have something to say about this match. Go for it. Okay. If you'll allow it. I will. I, well, I, I wasn't really I transitioning, really to, but, it, but I wanted yeah. to give some room for the table, for people to say their piece. For three, sure. three feet? Yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I went back and watched this match, and uh, we're talking Hell in a Cell 97, uh, a.k.a. Uh, the best Hell in a Cell match of all time, a.k.a. the Spear Hell in a Cell match. AKA the other Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. AKA that's got to be Kane. That's why <laughs> Bad has two Ds in it. And I'm not going to say a whole lot that hasn't been already said, but I really feel no, like something super important yep. to make a, a point of here uh, for everybody here sitting uh, amongst us and the audience uh, in professional wrestling. And it was really cool to watch it because I totally forgot about it. The whole concept of professional wrestling that had been kind of established for decades and decades and decades is that there's a good guy and then there's a bad guy mm -hmm. and the bad guy wrongs the good guy enough times by chicanery, cheating, bullshit, pulling hair, pulling tights, using brass nuts, whatever the fuck and getting away with it enough times that it is, there's a blow up. There's a blow off match. Yeah. There's gotta be something. Yeah. The whole idea is in professional wrestling is that you promote this match that people want to pay money to see that guy get his ass whipped. That's it. That's professional wrestling. Yeah. 101. Yeah. yeah. Sell tickets you for You really yeah. want to see the that bad guy, guy earn that ass whipping. And he's going to get it. Kicked yeah. out of him. Yeah. And to watch Shawn Michaels, whether he was ish has issues with his drugs or whatever, Ooh, he's still one of the greatest of all time. Watching him sell the sell. 
<laughs> dropping around him. Yeah. To, to, to them locking him in. He looks the look so of paranoia. scared. Yeah. He, he, reality is setting into this character that I can't get out of this motherfucker. Yeah. And that that big motherfucker over there, <laughs> who I beat the shit out of with a chair multiple times yeah. when I could run away, wants to kick my ass. And the feeling of joy of a, being a wrestling fan and going, that is it right there. Yeah. People pay money yeah. to watch Shawn Michaels get his ass wet. Also, secretly, for three, if not four of us at this table, it was secretly vindication for the Montreal screw job. Well, it hadn't right? happened yet. Not, yeah, but it will now. now. Yeah, watching up. watching it back now, later. we're like, yeah. Well, th- yeah, this match, yeah. it lost on the context <laughs> of this match. Is, this match is to see who fights Bret Hart in mm, yes, yes, Survivor Series uh, 97. <laughs> fucking yeah. Pl- yeah. That, that did not escape me when I realized, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, this is where this happened. Yeah, it was on a flag match. Yeah, it was on a trade But I just really, I just really wanted to and really emphasize the importance of this match. It, it's a great, great, yeah. great match because it is truly wrestling. It is a good guy who everybody loves and adores, and really, and there's a bad guy that everybody's like, get that motherfucker, please yes. for me, yeah. because Shawn Michaels was about as obnoxious. As it could get, oh, he was yeah. just—he was just leaning so yeah, he was peak well yeah. into that piece of shit persona, one hundred percent. That maybe may or may not have been, you know, real life leading into fiction. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the match, excellent. I'm sorry, Mac. I just really wanted to get that. No, no, it's, I'm I'm happy you did. So you know, again, th- this says a lot about Mark Calloway. This is a lot about the man yeah. behind the persona. You have the athletic match, and you say what you want. Kurt, Kurt Angle's maybe the most athletic, great wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. Just physically what he was able to do. Yeah. We've seen great athletes that have never always been great wrestlers. But he had the whole package, right? And then you get that match between just Taker and Angle, which fucking grinds it to a halt, right? Yeah. Then you see Taker against Michaels, where it's a fucking brawl. And it's- so you're seeing different ways that he's interacting with people. And the different ways he's able to kind of tell the story and how he's able to, you know, not just wrestle, but take everything that you have with sports entertainment and make it fucking work. Um, And then you kind of have, and I'm happy that we're talking about this last because I think it kind of works that way. Uh, My favorite match, which is WrestleMania 25. Oh, now, Jones, we were fucking there when this happened, right? Unbelievably, we had a chance to witness this live and in person. Yeah. We watched Undertaker almost break his fucking neck. Oh, God in heaven. Only oh, maybe 30, 40 feet away from where we were sitting. Yeah. You know? Um, but this match kind of takes everything that Taker and Michaels is and then puts it on that pedestal of WrestleMania with the great fucking gimmick. So we're coming off right a, a year after Shawn Michaels ended Ric Flair's career. Yeah, yeah. So this is the next WrestleMania after that. And, you know, Michaels, he had that whole, uh, if I remember correctly, that was the same time he was going through the big feud with, um, was it? No, it was it was with Jericho when he kind of like yeah, slapped the was, wife uh, and, and, yep, and yep. everything, right? So we come out of that where he is now the born-again Shawn Michaels. And we're really playing up the angelic, Yeah. Of Shawn Michaels at this point. So what a great fucking way as a spectacle to just counteract that by bringing the fucking dead man, 
Like, I remember sitting there, Jones, because we were right off the runway yeah. between the stage and the ring, and we see Shawn Michaels lower yeah. from the heavens. On the boom, right? oh, no, they, the entrances for that match were so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it comes to the ring and everything, and he's standing there, and then fucking Taker's music hits, and you can feel the fire coming off the stage where we're sitting, right? And then Taker just comes, comes up, up. Oh, just comes right up from the stage. And you know that at this stage, you've got the streak against Mr. WrestleMania, where both of those things are really, you know, um, established. Yeah. You've got the pageantry of WrestleMania. You've got the, you know, juxtaposition of the story. And then you're just going to have those two guys fucking go. Mm -hmm. And a thing I like about this match and why I picked it as my favorite is because it really took into consideration everything that Undertaker was. It was the pageantry. It was the spectacle. It was the fucking, I'm going to stand up. You know, I'm going to sit up yeah. and look at you. Oh, my God. How am I going to fucking beat this guy? Yeah. But also, you had two of the all-time greats still able to go. And this match was, what, 30 minutes? Now, not even. Not even 27. Yeah. 27. Now, now, about nine of those minutes was did Taker break his neck or not, which we got <laughs> yeah. to see here. Um, A.K. Sim <laughs> Snooker, you're fired, Domino. Yeah, right? Yeah. But it really, I, I felt, combined so many elements of what Undertaker, Mark Calloway, grew into, became what his legacy, I think, as an overall wrestler was, and was kind of put into this, this fucking match. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the top five best matches in the history of WrestleMania. Top three. You could argue that it's the number one. and no one. I really can't believe you. we fucking locked into the, seeing that. The Shawn, the, chances of that? Yeah. Right. the Shawn Michaels Undertaker feud for the years that it transpired from start to finish. Every match was fucking... It was great. Like you said, it was a spectacle. Yeah. It was the pageantry of it all. But to see those guys, the way they were able to work together in the ring, constantly kicking out of each other's finishers undertaker sitting up after second sweet chin music that most guys it fucking knocks them out for three hours. Yeah. Uh, it was just a great match. I mean, if you look at both of those WrestleMania, those back-to-back -back WrestleMania matches with Shawn Michaels, I mean, that was the draw. And the one year that it was the main event, even though there was no title on the line, it, it well deserved to be there. Yeah. I will say, I, you know, and I'm not going to harp on it too much. You know, yeah, I was there. I'm, I'm very fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever, that I was there. And I'm, gl I'm glad that I got a chance to witness this match. I will say, and this is really all I'm going to say about it, because I feel like I'm gonna, we're just going to repeat ourselves here. It is the first and only real time that I felt like the streak was in jeopardy. True. Honestly. Mm -hmm. It's the only time because it's Shawn fucking Michaels. And unlike Lesnar, we're like, he could really lose this match. Like, <laughs> like that's a, it's a legit threat. Yeah. yeah. Undertaker, Tombstone, Shawn Michaels. His reaction of Michaels kicking out that, I think it was maybe, it had to have been the first time. Yeah. His face. Undertaker doesn't make that face. Nope. nope. The look of pure shot was yeah. so good. Yeah. Under Undertaker scares everyone. He doesn't scare easy. <laughs> But he was scared in that he moment. He was like, holy He was scared shit. right there. He's what do like, I got to oh. do to beat this man? Yeah. It, it, it started as the fucking pageantry. It started as the circus. But as the match kind of went along, it just became a fucking heavyweight bout. It did. 
and just 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 you know ollie frazier just trading blows trading finishers and just doing the whole deal and um like you watch how that match just kind of like transitions from one thing to another and it's it becomes such a great wrestling match oh it's so good it's so good um and you know you lose nothing you lose nothing from the technical aspect the storytelling aspect, everything's on the line. And I mean, it really became, I think a perfect, you know, combination of all that. All right, gentlemen. Well, I love sharing our favorite WrestleMania matches, but it's not just about us. We are kind, generous, giving lovers. We love We're givers. To, to give and I'll let someone else give, but make sure first that there are a lot of uh, drop cloths down. But now it's time for us to give you the opportunity. It's time to call into the show. It's time for you to to join in with us and enjoy this wonderful moment. And we're going to go ahead, we hope he's ready, to toss it to our first ever call-in guest on oh Nothing gosh. Good Live. Oh, my. Hello, wow. Drew. Hello, dear listener. Well, am I in? You're you in. Oh, you That's here. what she am said. I in there? Yes. Am I in there? <laughs> yes. Can you guys You're good. What up, dude? Oh, my God, dude. Guys, I just want to say it's an honor. To be the first ever live caller on the Nothing Good Live podcast. Okay. You are first. This is, this, this is a very proud moment for not only myself, but the internet world. Very um, nice. You know, I, I think I think any Nothing Good podcast is one of the proudest moments of the internet in the last 15 years at least. Okay. I just want to make sure I, I throw that very out. Nice. We call that a testimonial, yeah. Yeah. Drew. That, that's a hell of a testament. So thank Even you though that. I've been told on, li- on on not live, but on previous podcasts that I look like a, a beef and cheddar sandwich, and that's okay, Matt. <laughs> um, I have been frequenting Arby's a lot since that podcast, and, and <laughs> I, really I like sure kind of like, so. and really in kind of a self reflection kind of way. You know, like what is yeah. it? What is it? What is it that makes Dave just, so hungry staring? when he's, he's staring, staring at staring at like a market district <laughs> staring at a sandwich? It's like in Bloodsport where he's watching the like, you're like, yeah, yeah. They literally, they, they literally asked me. They asked me in the drive-through. They're like, "Hey, dude, uh, you gonna order anything?" And I'm like, "I'm just staring at that beaver cheddar. I need to know what yeah. it is that makes that makes." Dave McDonald hunger for me so much, and it, 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 I don't it's know what it cheddar. is. I think it's yeah. it's the cheddar. Okay, all right. All Listen, right. Andrew, anyway. you and I have shared an airplane together. You and I both know the answer to that question. Oh. <laughs> the plane oh. ride from Andrew. heaven. That's what I call did, it. Did, did you have a, a question or a, or a comment? What did, what oh my god! You? Hey. Yeah. What's your wait? Let, first of all, let's ask you right out of the gate before you get a chance to come in here. Yeah. Let's ask you. What's your, don't try hijack the well, show. No. What's yeah. your favorite? <laughs> all right. There's a lot to unpack there. Okay. Because let's just remember one thing about me versus you guys, and I'm not. I'm not trying to like try to make you feel old or anything, but like okay. I don't remember <laughs> wrestling without the Undertaker. Good point. Okay, he was That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. Like, 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 and honestly, one of the first ever moments is probably pretty young in my life was Taker Warrior because I was such a Warrior fan. You know, I was this little kid 
three, four right. years old, running around, loving to, loving the Ultimate Warrior, and then all of a sudden, I just remember this ridiculous supernatural character just showing up and an urn that controlled him. You know, like there was, just, yeah. it, it was, it was, it was to me like, oh my god, and it just like encompassed this dark part of of, of wrestling that nobody wants to acknowledge because it was that post Hogan, not really post Hogan thing that was going on there, and then Taker shows up, and people are getting put in the coffins, and he's, and you know, he's fighting the Ultimate Warrior, even though he lost. That was still like, what the hell is this thing? Because the Ultimate Warrior was probably the most supernatural character I knew of at that point in my life. That was steroids. anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. What's but your favorite always... fucking Undertaker match? <laughs> my favorite match. Don't yell at the guests. Come on, right. man. It's setting a good precedent here for future callers. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one's right. going to want to call in if you yell at them all. I'm so sorry. Let's just Listen, say, we're just going to say this right now. Go I'm gonna say, hold on. No, I'm going to say this right now. The only other callers what? you have are the people who are on the show right now. Anyway. That is true. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 kayfabe. Kayfabe. <laughs> my favorite match. Enough. All right, my favorite match. I have two. One of them's going to surprise you, okay? My first favorite match, obviously, WrestleMania 25. I don't know what it is about that fucking match, and I think that Mc okay. and Mac, Mac really just fucking resonated it for me with, the, with, with everything he said about it. Um, I think one of my favorite points of that match um, was the the, the the seceding match that occurred because of that. And it, it really put an emphasis on how important the entire storyline from the, those two years really put an emphasis on how important the streak was. The Shawn Michaels was willing to give up his career for the yeah, streak. Career versus streak. That was a big deal. Right. And like, and to me, that that was a. It's it's not just the one match; it's both matches. Even though the first match was was fucking perfect, right? I think we can all agree that that was just psychology, yeah, just showmanship. That match was perfect. Uh, my second favorite match, and it's not because of the match itself, but because of what it stood for at that point in Big Evil's career and Big Evil's run to beat. Big Show and A-Train by himself at WrestleMania 19. Right. Like, there was just something about that, and he didn't make it boring. It was one of those things where I remember when that, that WrestleMania was, was coming up. Yeah. When, when, when that WrestleMania came up, and I remember me and, me and Noah sitting there going, hey, this is a dumb fucking Undertaker match. You know, Nathan <laughs> fucking Jones. I remember us like, saying that. Like, A-Train in any match. Yeah, yeah like at Big Show... <laughs> And this is before Big Show. If we point, this is before anybody pointed out that Big Show never won in a WrestleMania match, right? And yeah. you see where all of his losses, like nobody wants to talk about that in this in this conversation. But that's that's literally like in the heat of it because nobody's really talking about the streak at that point, really. Like we, the people mentioned it, but it was just kind of like. He just showed up and fucking owned the Big Show and A-Train in a matter of 12 minutes, and nobody fucking even questioned it because he made it look so goddamn good. You know, like, I, I, there's something about that match, and, and it really just, like, kind of solidified in everybody's mind, like, nobody's going to beat him. Nobody's going to beat him. I, I, you know, I agree. And, I you know, to go back, Drew, to, you know, your, your comments on WrestleMania 25, I think that, um, you know, that match... 
I mean, it, it is definitely arguably Undertaker's greatest match he's ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you look at, you know, there's a lot of articles and lists that have been posted by, you know, fans and publications about, you know, what are the greatest Undertaker matches of all time? That one is on every single list, whether it's at the top or in the middle. But it's be. never at the bottom. It's on every list for sure. There's no way it can't be. I mean, yeah. even, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you can't watch that match and not go, no, that, that was some serious shit. Yeah. yeah. That was, it had all yeah. everything you yeah. have in a There's a so much legitimacy to it. No, it was, when you, and here's the thing that always gets me too is that like that match is like the, the godfather of everyone kicking out finishes in a WrestleMania yeah. main event. And the, we've done it in every single WrestleMania main event since then. Wait, right? not the godfather? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, that's one of the Undertaker's guys, right? So, uh, hilariously, he the entire roster wrestling. is the Undertaker's hoe train, right? Let's just not forget yeah. that. I mean, in a lot of ways, too. But uh, everyone's like, oh, they kick out of too many finishes. Well, like, you know what, motherfucker? I think if the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels could do it at WrestleMania, I think it's okay to do sometimes, you know? Maybe uh, maybe a little bit of a true, but uh, great, great uh, add ons to that. Do, what is your favorite incarnation of the Undertaker uh, character? <sighs> See, I'm glad you asked. See, like I, I, I've been sitting here for however long listening to you amazing gentlemen talk, and I've been taking notes. So, so, so most of what you asked me, I probably thought about at this point. My favorite incarnation, my favorite variation was the Ministry Undertaker, actually. Um, Ministry of Darkness. Ministry of Darkness. Yep, yep. That That's my like, favorite which also goes, theme song. Which like, coincides, oh, so which coincides with, and I'm really happy, Dave. Can I just give you props that most of everything that I want to talk about, you are talking about too. So like, I don't really have to repeat most of it. Um, the fact that like the crucifixion era, not just Stephanie McMahon, he tried to crucify every fucking buddy, but the ministry of darkness. Like undertaker. Minutes, yeah. yeah can, but the ministry of darkness. Real undertaker. Quick here? Absolutely. Can I real Go quick, Drew. So as, as we talk about this, do you realize that I've been fucking watching this motherfucker for, you know, my my entire life? Most Dude. of our lives. Drew and yeah. Undertaker. Both. Dave. <laughs> Mainly Dave. Dave, if I, I may. Not... Jesus Just real Christ. quick. Let, Wait, let, stop. Let, stop. Let, you let, can't let, double let, interrupt let, and interrupt. What the fuck? This is who we are. Interrupting interruption. <laughs> Did I never realize that the logo was just Texas? It was a T and an X. Yeah, yeah. I never fucking yeah. realized that until yeah. this past weekend. Real creative. I never picked it up, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's just, it's just, it's a, just it's a T and an X. Yeah, it's just Texas. That's all it is. That's where he's from." I thought it was some like crazy like rune or something. No, it's no. just, it's just where he's from. Yeah. No, true. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say the, to Dave's point about how he's been watching him his entire life. I remember all of us. Being completely surprised that Dave McDonald was a wrestling fan. Yeah. And that day yeah. that that happened, we realized that, oh, well, Dave's been a, a lifelong wrestling fan the entire time. So, like, the way I hear Dave talk about it, I still remember that day when we discovered it. It's like he came out of the wrestling closet. And we, we, can, we was... can all agree, Drew. We can all agree that the day that we realized that, Dave leveled up in our eyes. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Without a freaking Watch. doubt. Without a freaking doubt. Power drinking. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just, yeah. just start peeling back the layers. Right? Yeah. You know, you never know what you're going to discover. And he just kept going <laughs> until he put this fucking bandana on about two hours ago. <laughs> but to, to, but to go back, 
But to go back to what, what I was saying about the ministry. You, you gave me the bandana. This <laughs> wouldn't even happen if it wasn't for you. You said it was for your dog. It, it, you, it will be after I'm done with it. Oh. Troops are coming out. <laughs> so we're saying back no, to go back to what I was saying about the ministry Undertaker being very important is it wasn't necessarily the Undertaker himself. It's what it did for a lot of wrestlers at that time, period. Um, you know, like a lot of guys who weren't necessarily finding themselves in the in the limelight of the Attitude Era and falling under that Taker wing. And it wasn't exactly like an NWO kind of kind of. Uh, Kind of faction um, in the in the sense that like I mean you wouldn't have the APA if it wasn't for Ministry of Darkness no, you you true. wouldn't have and any of that you know like and, and, and what Undertaker did not only on the camera and off the camera for all those guys like I think the the Ministry was that moment when the Undertaker was accepted and I think it was very obvious and how it played out and projected from all of those guys obvious yeah. that the Undertaker was the locker room leader. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, with, without a doubt, and I think that that goes to show in everything the Undertaker does. Uh, to even to, now, Drew, even I, to this I don't day. want to cut you off. I I, I do want to say I I think we one hundred percent agree. Yeah, one thousand percent. Nobody here, especially Dave, is disagreeing with you at all. Correct. Especially, <laughs> especially Dave. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I've agreed with Dave this entire podcast. Which is weird, and so when we when we address that in future episodes, we'll be sure to have Arby's and have you guys argue. We can only argue over Arby's. True. Shut up. <laughs> uh, unbeknownst to us, and I feel so bad for this, but we just got the alert that our live stream is being limited to two uh, to two hours, uh, in which we have less less than a minute remaining on our our live stream. So we're gonna do it. Everyone gets five seconds. Everyone, tell me. Uh, who is the most important Hall of Fame induction ever in our lifetimes? Jones, start it. Go. It goes totally without saying that The Undertaker 100% is. All right. Undertaker. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh. Drew, most important Macho Hall of Fame Man. induction. Nice. Very good. I'm going to say Hulk Hogan, even though I don't like him because he's the first big star. Fuck Hulk Hogan. Fuck Hulk Hogan, though. Fuck Seriously, fuck, fuck him. him. And, but don't fuck you guys. We love you all so much. Here, thanks. <sighs> Hello. You see, this is where the original live recording suddenly cut out. You did not hear your handsome host say, here, on nothing good. So now, you get me. And I get to say goodbye to you. Will I do it? Simply? Unerotically, <sighs> maybe. <laughs>